Yeah, I mean, when when I'm talking about things tempting me, I'm talking about just Wave Five. It's like it's yeah. like Wave Five boosters. I'm very tempted by Siege Two boosters. I still want Gal- Galactic Prime and Lord Megatron, but that's it. And I'm, and yeah, Wave Five boosters. I'm always tempted by everything else, like Combiner boosters at full price. It's just to it's just to collect more hinges for fan cards. Which, mm-hmm. Once the singles market fully disappears, maybe. <laughs> what the f- is going on down there? Uh, they're, they're now a rare property. Wizards ain't doing hinges anywhere else. Anyway, hi everyone, welcome. We're not we're not just talking about hinges. We're gonna, we have th- something to do here today. But Aaron, hello, welcome to the episode. Hi, hi. Uh, Thanks. I immediately jumped onto Discord, just yanked Aaron down my fresh uh, hole of, of TCG things I've been doing, which was an optimistic one, but also quickly turned into, hey, so where'd Wave Five go? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, coronavirus ate it. But I, I also still think Jumpstart ate it, which is not not anything against Jumpstart. I'm just convinced. Go go listen to our to our uh, finale premiere, WTF and TCG, to hear my long winded. I think it was long winded conspiracy theory about Jumpstart. That's you, it was you talking, so yes, it was long winded. Jumpstart, Jumpstart stole our two pack turbo and then just like stepped on the neck right afterwards and went like, "Hey, look, I Magic the Gathering invented two packs you put together and play with." Meantime, Smash Up was just over the hill laughing to itself because it's made infinite money. Uh, hi, TJ. You're here as well. Welcome. Uh, yeah. Last I checked, yes, I am indeed here. Pokemon trading cards are probably not going away anytime soon. I'm going to hazard the guess. Uh, um, no. Uh, well, if you try to find them at a store shelf, yes, uh, they've gone away many, many times. <laughs> they've but... gone away in the positive way for Pokemon. Yeah. Because, uh, no, uh, I have watched it, I have watched it peter out and resurge many a times, and now it's, like, the biggest boom period it's ever had, and, uh, yeah, it's gonna be, a, like, an infinite cycle, like a, like a roller coaster that never ends, and just keeps spitting money out. I heard their foils are very nice. Oh, I mean, they are. Yeah. They do some cool stuff with the art. Also, I heard Pokemon foils don't, like, turn into Pringles chips when exposed to oxygen. Yeah, apparently not. Well, they've been printing the freaking things for like over twenty years now. I should hope they'd have it down by now. Hey, hey, so's hey, so's wizards. wizards. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that was. I think Wizards has probably been doing foils longer. Unintentional burn. <laughs> That's the big special thing we're doing for episode five hundred ninety nine. Is we're finally taking Wizards of the Coast to task for their Pringled Magic cards. Uh, however, phase two, the bonus step of episode 599, is uh, we're clearing out the listener question queue. Uh, so here we... Uh, what I'll say, there is, like, there was one person who had two questions on the queue, oddly enough, so I left the most recent one, which was from, like, just last month, on the queue, so that's the one that's still there, uh, because that way we don't have any repeat names, and I, I kind of like that, unless I really miss something, but I don't think we have any repeat names. Oh, no, I just forgot to put someone's name on the last one because I copy-pasted. Anyway, we'll, I'll figure that out later. Um, so here we go. Uh, first up, let's a question from Epsilon8. There's a market for a company. Uh, is there any market for a company to copy and replace missing parts of old figures like G1 Optimus Hands, Primal's Gorilla Head, Missiles, etc.? Uh, once upon a time, there was, in fact, 
I think, one or two companies making G1 repro parts. And I don't know if they still are, because I remember there was a conversation about a decade or a decade and a half ago about how they weren't able to sell parts anymore because everyone got the parts they needed. So I think there is a market now, uh, but I also wonder if that's crossing over with Shapeways or 3D printing. or it's like, Yeah, it, it's a different I, place I think now. with the... With the prevalence of 3D printing, at least getting the plastic of it right is probably pretty close to being doable. Something like Primal's Gorilla Head, you've got pain and the like that would make that more difficult. Mm. But, I mean, that's something that, like, if somebody rocked into a convention with, like, seven or eight 3D printers, like, oh, you need Optimus Prime's right fist? Okay. Come back in forty five minutes. Can you minutes imagine the smell? And... <laughs> yeah, you're already at a Transformers convention. Yeah, but that's like that's like I think I don't think one cancels the other out. I think it just becomes really bad. If you, have... <laughs> I'd love to see it happen though. Be... Well, you, you just the dude in, in reality, it'd probably be more like the dude will print up forty of the most common things, and then have those three D printers like ready to go on. You, okay, you want like weird stuff. You want it's, um you know, a six gun missile. Okay. Yeah. I've got that. Hold on. Like, you know, let me queue up this print and you can come back in an hour and I'll Actually, just have was, that for you. That's, that's so that's so that's so much to the that's so much it's gonna go through them though when they're if they're working six, seven machines at a time. You you get to them on day on Sunday and go, that's an awesome uh, Toxitron cosplay. Like, I'm not. I'm working the 3D printers. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, isn't there also a lot of heat output on a, on a lot of those? Unless like the resin pull ones are colder. N- no, I thought that there's like they get hot, but it's a very localized hot. Even if there's like six or seven, like right behind you. I don't know. I'm just thinking. I'm thinking mostly. I about mean, the... no more than th- there's a there's a dude at TFCon that's making shirts the whole time. It's not like that makes it like that's what makes the dealer room funky. Oh, I forgot about the shirt guy, or not the shirt guy. Yeah, I know what you mean. No, I'm just thinking about the the like plastic fumes and stuff because I've I've heard from people at conventions who run 3D print ops, and I'd ask them like, "What's it like?" etc. And usually their partner would eventually pipe up and say like, "It's also a thing that happens on another floor next to an open window. Otherwise, I'm going to kill him." Yeah, uh, I mean that's probably <laughs> the better way to do it for sure. <laughs> Like, if you have that as an option, but I don't think, like, as long as you had the power... The the biggest issue to having them set up in a live area is the fact that most 3D printers, you have to have pretty solidly, like, stable and leveled and calibrated if you're moving them around. Mm-hmm. So having them on a table that some schmuck is going to come up, jostle around as he's sitting here looking through a bin of the other stuff that you have, well, now whatever you have printed is knocked over, you know, 40 microns, and you've got a weird crease in everything, and you got to scrap the part. I was imagining, like, like a dude, like a, an in-progress printer just, like, falling on a dude and extruding onto his, his own head. Uh this, sure. This molten plastic just pfft, here. No. No, it's something that like at TFCon the best place for that would be that weird side hallway. Oh, just make that the fume lab. Yeah, you just crack open that half door back there and put 
two tables across the the throat of it that way nobody can get out back past it other than the dude working back there and yeah somebody rocking like six prusas or something and have spent a ton of time ahead of, ahead of time catting everything up yeah sure mm-hmm I was also just thinking, whenever this happens, like, ideally, for the first two years of conventions, we're going to just, you know, have some masks on anyway, for safety's sake. Uh, mm-hmm. Technically, if, if, it, if it is, if it is uh, affordable to the convention goer, you can just have enough, like, breathing protection on that all of this would not be as much of a problem anyway. Uh, oh, yeah, we've got the big, like, paint booth things for when we go back to conventions. Yeah. I was trying to convince Alfie to buy the one that looks like it's out of the expanse because it's like a full face thing. And then it has the um like the the cartridges that you click on it instead of just the one that covers the nose and mouth. Yeah. And then leave your eyeballs open for for disease to get into. I was trying to convince her like, hey, get the whole like face gasket one. And she's like, no, that's weird. And I'm like, uh uh. Or is it cool? Yeah. What if it's actually cool, though? Is what I'm saying. Um, the one thing I want to throw in here, which I feel like is still sorely missing, and maybe it's just because the audience isn't big enough, uh, there are a lot of old toys that have commonly breaking parts. Mirage's waste, etc. And I feel like those like non-accessory but internal often breaking components, that's the thing I always thought like by now there would be an operation that, that you know would have a 3D scan... And would output like those pieces in various different materials to like mm-hmm. figure that out. Like I, specifically, I'm thinking of the Action Master Elite uh, gears um, for their for their gimmicks because those things yeah. shred a lot. Action Master Elites are expensive. I feel like if they could be refurbished with 3D printed uh, internal pieces, um, even if they don't like you know work in perpetuity, if you could keep reprinting those internal pieces. Uh, that would be really cool for older toys like that. I'm truly, I think about, about a decade ago, I assumed that by now that would just be a thing that happens and I still haven't really seen it, at least like not, not in my own purview, you know? Um, the only thing I've ever seen is I think there were some parts for some Yamato Arcadia Macross toys that perpetually exist on Shapeways, but like, that's about it. Um, I've seen the odd mask part, like for, uh, for Switchblade, um, the helicopter jet, like that's that's got some some repro parts kicking around. MP Hot Rod has those repro kneecaps all over the place. It's like we're we're almost there, but I feel like older stuff still isn't there. I don't know. Yeah, well, it's it's one of those things that I think also falls just on the other side of you know. I said you know six guns missile to be three D printed. Like, what's that market? How how much time is it going to take somebody to properly? model that so that it matches or is similar enough and get it so that it's producible so that it's printable like if you spend an hour or two on that model like i know i know what i'm hiring cad designers at that's 60 70 bucks of just engineering design time if there's not a more than one iteration of it like there's a certain point where it's got to come down to what's an individual's time worth that you might get the you know prime's blaster because it's optimus prime you know any of the prime parts yeah sure but i i see a very steep fall off after that just due to like nobody wanting to invest the time to make you know 
the slightly different version of the hip piece of whatever. Oh, yeah. And, and because... I, I'll stress, like, I'm the last person who's ever going to go like, those guys should just do 3D modeling for me for free. Uh, but I, I just figured that the cross-section would have happened by now of of folks with that interest, that skill set, and also that need. Uh, probably somewhat naively. Um, also, I kind of thought 3D scanning would be more of a thing than it is by now, 10 years ago. Um, 3D scanning's hard. Oh, yeah, I know. I, I, like, there is, even, there is... even, with, even with dedicated hardware for 3D scanning, 3D scanning's hard. There is one yeah. person I know of in the province who has the hardware capability, uh, who is using it to a, to a pretty you know cool degree. But I, I think it's because when 3D printing was becoming so much more democratized as far as like tech that was not... Um, that's what I'm looking for. It was tech that you could feasibly actually get without having to like dedicate mm-hmm. uh, uh, your life to it. I figured 3D scanning naturally as a partner kind of tech was was yeah. at least going to float around somewhere uh, in the vicinity. But I, I feel like no one even talks about it uh, on the mainstream. There's starting to be some neat stuff out there with using photogrammetry rather than like a 3D LiDAR scanner type of thing. Mm, yeah. So photogrammetry is like, you know, if you take eight pictures of a thing around it, you can feed that into a computer and then it uses algorithm analysis to say okay this line here is in six of these photos so i'm going to assume that that's a base point well okay if well i if i assume that that this is a thing and that everything based off of that i can start to like apply the way that this looks and that's okay but then it comes down to a whole bunch of things like you know if you're using you know, a camera that has a, a a deeper focal length or a shorter focal length that can change the way that that looks in between things. So you just have to keep feeding it more and more and more photos so that it can drop out a bunch of those other variables, things from far away, things from close up. So it can say, okay, well, it's actually this big, not, you know, mm-hmm. it's actually, you know, two inches tall, not 80 foot tall. Okay, well, work around it and do a bunch of things. That's uh, if you play Pokemon Go, now about any time you go out and spin a stop, it wants you to scan the area because they're Niantic is trying to just pull in <laughs> as much data as they can hey, do something for me, out of different camera. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Hey, spend... <laughs> Spend three minutes scanning this area so that we can have all of these images feed it into some, you know, building scanning algorithm in order to do this and get four Pokeballs. I mean, that sounds like a great deal. Four yeah, Pokeballs? Yeah, like, I mean, we, know, we know you're trying to play a game and have a little bit of fun, but uh, can you do some legwork for us real yeah. quick? We need, we need to collect as much data without people realizing it as possible. Don't, don't worry. Your time's worth this soft... Um, uh, currency that we invented for our game. <laughs> it's worth four of them, in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, like I, I that, that that's like all exciting stuff to me. Like the because I mean, three D printing was you know it's still exciting to me, but it was way more exciting to me like when it was really starting to become like a, yeah. a something accessible to the public. And so the next step for me is like when we're able to like, you know scan objects in some way, be it scanning or be it you know uh, stuff that I'm just collecting under the the verb scanning. Uh, you know, selfishly, because then, you know, when it comes to toy design stuff, which I have an interest in, uh, that is pre-CAD, um, there's a way to, like, save some of that before it inevitably all degrades beyond repair, um, 
because a lot of that era, you know, was not designed with the idea that anyone would care about having those objects still exist 20 years later. Um, or, you know, just unforeseen things. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, gold plastic syndrome and et cetera was not like some foreseen risk at the time. It was just like, hey, this looks cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I wish, I wish 3D scanning had, or 3D scanning, like, you know, scanning objects had had the mm-hmm. same exponential. Um, I, I guess I feel like 3D printing had a sort of exponential rise, not in maybe, you know, full on the tech, but definitely at least the consumer side. Like the fact that in like miniatures gaming and miniatures painting that like, it's almost a given now that if you really like it, you're like, yeah, I saved up 400 bucks for a, you know, a resin pull printer or whatever. I just call it resin pull, like the thing where it lifts upwards, um, mm-hmm. you know, and you're making like miniatures that with a little bit of TLC, like when painted, they look on par with some companies now. Uh, like that's still amazing to me. Um, anyway, yeah, I, at the end of the day, I just want some new gears for the inside of my turbo master. <laughs> I don't know how to make them. Uh, anyway, a little follow-up question here from Epsilon eight. What's the last figure you remember that came out with missiles from Hasbro Takara? Uh, I'm going to assume that that means missiles that fire. Um, otherwise there's a yeah. whole lot of things that we could call missiles. Uh, and I actually can't remember. <laughs> I'm trying to think in my head. It wasn't. It, yeah, it's not anything from. It's not anything from Prime Wars. No, Prime Wars didn't have any. Did Prime? Did Prid have missiles, or were they all just the spring action, like deploying weapon things? I can't remember. Uh, um, Bulkhead's hand. Sh- Wrecking ball shot out. Like sh- it, was it was connected on a chain. It was on a tether. It was on a. It was on a string, but it shot. It out. shot out. Okay. Was that Prid bulkhead? No, I want to. I want to say there were missiles in there. Um, I I know the Cyberverse Prime toys had missiles. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Okay, so Prime still had missiles. I don't think Rid. Tw- Did Rid 2015 have missiles? I was about to say yes, but then I realized I was thinking of a Prime Cyberverse toy. Rid Warriors didn't, but in the gimmick line, they, mm, do they count as missiles? Because the gimmick line had the thing where you could shoot the minicon balls, like the the pop missile ones. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call that. A, I wouldn't call that a missile launcher any more than like Fall of Cybertron sound waves. Yeah, like, just launching minions. I, I would say the pop missile launchers still count because this doesn't say spring missiles. Because um, it, it, it's something that fires a projectile. Yeah, it's yeah. supposed to. That's supposed to imitate a blast. And if there's a tether, that's fine because the proje- the tether can be cut. You know, it's not like it's it's physically linked. Because um, I th- I think those pop missiles get us a few more years down the road. Yeah, I hadn't thought about this at all, uh, and it's actually kind of spooking yeah. me. How I'm like, yeah, I don't remember. They just kind of missiles kind of just disappeared from my lexicon, and I, I think I was okay with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't miss them. Yeah, I don't really miss them all. either. Yeah, I get kind of upset the few Lego sets that I've built now that have their missile firing block. I'm like, yep, shot at once. Those missiles go away now because they just disappear, and then I get angry going looking for them. <laughs> Uh, I think I think for me missiles I would have I would feel dearer and nearer to missiles if there had ever been like how do I put this this might not say it right but I've, if there had been more tactile satisfaction to them like obviously there was in that you pull the thing and they shoot but like if there was some kind of 
end point to that. Like if like if more things could, I know they tried to have gimmicks where a thing would react to getting hit by a missile, but it, the the getting hit part was always to me so. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of the right word for this. It just it it it, it would work one out of like twenty times. It'd be like. It, it was never uh, like a missile launcher. Most of the time, would still work whenever you want to use it until the spring wears out. The reaction gimmicks I found were always really spotty. Uh, they were consistent. That's what I'm looking for. They weren't very consistent. Mm-hmm. If there was like a consistent reaction gimmick, I think I'd feel warmer towards them. Um, but really, the reaction gimmick was mostly either "damn it, I have to go get it," or "ow, it hit me in the eye." Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I, this is a factoid that I know can be looked up, but off the top of my head, it's spooking me. Like, also, this is a slight tangent, but um, someone sound out on Twitter was talking about was talking about the Netflix Power Rangers thing, where Power Rangers is, is going off Netflix uh, or has gone off Netflix, and and it was mentioned that like the last Transformers media to get a proper season numbered DVD release was season one of Rid twenty fifteen, and I was staring at the screen and I was like, oh my god, you're right. Like, <laughs> there isn't any home media for anything past Rid Season 1. I just never thought about it, because I had also had I had enough trouble trying to figure out how to watch anything past Rid Season 1. And most of it was done on, like, daily motion. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you for those questions, Epsilon8. Next up, we got some from WelpD1, uh, who says, Hello, everyone. Thanks for the amazing shows. My question for you today is an odd one. In the main line of toys, do you think the time of vehicle modes having clear windows is past? It never seems to show anything except a robot head, like on Rid Exbron, or a contorted robot. Every repro label sheet seems to cover them, and if they uh, didn't have to spend money painting clear plastic to match, for example, Prime Ratchet, that money could be used somewhere else. Thanks for reading this, and remember... Rider click. So I'm taking this question as, you know, being like, is it time to maybe stop with clear windows on mainline toys? Because obviously, like, even though this question was sent to us in July, like, you know, we saw Earthrise, we saw enough stuff, like, clear windows are still around. But yeah, the, uh, clear windows do have a lot of um, baggage that comes with them. Uh, if the stuff you see through them isn't very cool, they become a detriment. Uh, then they have to be tinted. Uh, that tinting can mess even more with painting the surrounding plastic. Uh, like I, I would say Earthrise Sunstreaker, um, part of the reason why his, his yellows don't match up super well and change in tone get so much more given the, the um, uh, temperature of the room lighting is because it's, it's yellow painted over top of translucent deep blue plastic. Uh, so I, I think like... They have a high-end visual feel, and they also perpetually have this baggage. The, the The real way that I think it becomes more pleasant to have them around is if only the windows are separate clear pieces that are slotted into assemblies. That exponentially rises the price of figures. Maybe just have them on the figures that already have that exponentially risen price in the first place. I don't know. I'm, I'm really of two minds about clear windows, because, you know... They they kind of feel like to me an equal number of of highs and lows. TJ, how do you, how do you feel about clear windows in twenty twenty one? Of course, you throw it at me first. Uh, <laughs> I think that's well documented. I've never been a fan of translucent plastic for numerous reasons. Mm. Uh, aside, aside from just my experience with them and the experience I've had people sharing with me is it is very fragile over time. It does break a lot easier than solid plastic does. Uh, for me, I, I do, I, like, the, the question makes a lot, a lot of good points, is, 
I don't I, I hate all the mismatched colors because the paint never matches the plastic because it's on that translucent surface. There's a lot of figures that have been ruined with that over the years. I don't like seeing all the junk of the robot mode inside. Like tr- like clear when like the clear windows is cool when like we could put some kind of faux interior on the inside of a transformer. You don't really have like there's no like budget or engineering squirreled away for that anymore. It's just cram the robot bits wherever. Mhm. Yeah, I'm lo- I'm looking at uh I'm I'm looking at 86 Jazz right now and it's literally his stomach block sitting in the in the front front end of the car. It it looks it looks like you're trying to drive home with like an oven just wedged there in the front of your car. I don't see I don't see the need for that. Like I would just I would be much happier and you know, I I'd be happier for the future of the toy cuz he does use a lot of clear hinges. If that's just solid and paint the windows. I don't I like I've been a proponent of that for a long time cuz you know, like if if you like you said, if it's something that you can slot into a toy, fine. You know, in certain situations like, you know, put you know, a little bit of clear like a little clear thing to put into the back of a head for light piping. Fine. Headlights, fine. You know, like uh chest details or something. Like that's all fine cuz there's no like major engineering hinged on it. If anything goes wrong, you're not out the toy. I just think I just think they just by insisting on having like windows in the vehicle mode, you're creating so many other problems, especially ones that la- that uh, ruin the long term survivability of the toy. And and I also think like um, cl- like just clear windows with no tinting have never. I can't think of a single time outside of alternators or you know stuff that has like a, a designed interior to go with it. Like everyone tends to say when they see clear windows that are like dark blue or, or smoky, it's like, Oh, well that looks cool. If it's like just crystal clear then it's like, mm, looks kind of like yeah. unfinished. And, mm-hmm. and like the deep translucent blue, the, like the plus of that one is you do get some sometimes really pretty effects. Like I'm looking at studio series, uh, hot rod and like you get really pretty light play through that dark hunk of blue, or at least, you know, the dark canopy of blue, and so that, you know, that could be lost. And I'm just not sure if I would, like, feel like that was a critical loss. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if, it, if it also meant that we didn't have, like, you know, have, like, and this one, like, like, colors match really nicely. But perhaps if it was just a solid piece, then perhaps there wouldn't be the yellow hinge up there because there wouldn't have to be a certain interplay of plastic colors. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I, I'm still of two minds. But yeah, I get where you're coming from. And yeah, like, for reference, like, like, it's not like clear plastic is just more commonly clear plastics end up being long term a lot more brittle and crackable uh than a lot of the solid plastic colors we get. We still get solid plastic colors occasionally that are as brittle, but I think like ratio wise clear stuff especially on hinges um has a a proportionally larger history uh of of accounts of being brittle over time, which is where that's coming from. That, that's kind of why I kind of steered clear of the, the ramp formers in Earthrise, because I saw that the friction connectors were all done in that clear plastic, and I just feel like the most fun I'd have with the ramp formers is connecting a bunch of ramp stuff together, and I don't want to think about it being on something potentially too brittle. Uh, but yeah, that's that's yeah, that's that's some follow-up. Aaron, how about you? How, do you? how are you feeling about the whole conundrum of clear mainline windows? 
Um, so I ended up getting Studio Series 86 um, Blur so far. And he has kind of a fake window set on his chest. Mm-hmm. And something like that isn't bad. But again, it's a case of it's not big windows. Um, also have the Cyberverse RC. She has clear windows. And what do you see in it? Her kneecaps. You could maybe stylize them as as uh, chairs. But yeah, I think it's a thing that it's potentially past its its uh, its prime of... Like, do, is this better for or worse for the toy? Yeah. And I think in most cases, that answer is a worse for um, anymore. Just enough other things have fallen to the accountant's pen, it seems like, that some of the other things that are needed to make clear windows an okay thing are going, you know? It worked, like you were saying, it worked in alternators because all almost all of those cars with the clear windows, clear windshield, and everything was also, has seat, at least, you know, the front seats in it are chairs, and it has a dashboard and a steering wheel, and so there's a reason for there to be clear windows to see that versus, you know some of these other things that oh we want to you know bumblebee bumble the the um netflix bumblebee you know he's got clear windows so that you can see all the kibble inside it i guess like there's definitely that breakover point where it's just yeah not really worth it and and like you know again that also makes the point i think that like when you see stuff inside and you can kind of in your brain stylize it to look like interiors, it's usually also through a darker translucent where it's, it, you know, muddles the image a bit, makes mm-hmm. it a bit more blurry to your eyes, a little bit darkened. And like, that's kind of neat. Like that stuff is all neat. It's just like, to me, the big prime con of clear windows on vehicle modes right now is you often then also have to have a large painted part painted to match a plastic color. And it's not even like, well, they're just not very good at it. it I think it's a genuinely hard thing to achieve, too, uh, especially when it's on, done in mass production where you don't have the luxury of, like, undercoats and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And, I, you know, maybe there is an undercoat that I'm just, you know, I'm I'm talking out my butt. I, all this stuff is still layman talk because none of us have made toys. But to me, like, I, I, pull, I, I pull at Earthrise Sunstreaker a lot because to me, like, it's a really good case of, like, if you've ever painted anything, you know that yellow is an incredibly hard color to lay down solidly uh, on any surface, let alone a dark blue translucent surface. Um, mm-hmm. And it just, it creates a scenario where, where like Sunstreaker, I think, turned out well, given what they're trying to accomplish on a mass production level, you know, uh, which is not to say, oh, it turned out great. It's like, no, what they're trying to do. That turned out better than it could have. That could have been like the, those those yellows could have been anywhere between yellow to green on every single copy of that figure. <laughs> uh, you know the the old um, botcon bullet point about why uh, alternators tracks came out in blue and plastic was partly because the yellow you know doing him in yellow led to a level of translucence that was kind of especially in plastic was able to be flipped around into a case to do them in blue, I believe was more so the, the goal there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, nothing against clear windows from my, my perspective, as far as like, I don't, I don't, you know, want a crusade to have them removed. I just, I guess I still am of two minds about them. It's just all the pros are cool. 
but all the cons tend to really suck and I don't think I would miss them yeah, it, if they were gone. It, it's a th- it's a thing that like on on the the paint side of thing. If you pull it off, it's going to look great, but it's so difficult to pull it off. Again, it's that eighty twenty. You can get eighty mm. percent of the way there with twenty percent of the work. Oh yeah, it's just and, and on a high end doing... piece like a masterpiece, then then go for it because yeah. the whole the yeah. whole thesis of your of your release is this is a high end high budget piece where it's like yeah you've got you've got the budgetary room you've got the the almost expectation. To, to push a ceiling with, with that release. Mm-hmm. So, you know, go for it. But yeah, on mainline pieces, it's kind of like, it's really cool when you're doing it, but like, it also means that when it goes badly, like, I don't really know what to say. Cause I'm like, well, <laughs> you're making several hundred, you know, I don't know how many they're making. You're making several something thousands of these, uh, you know, in a mass production state. Like, I don't, like, if, if anyone saw the Unicron backer video, you know, seeing like how even those pieces were mass painted with the the template chunks uh, that you'd stick them underneath, and then like you know do a spray off. It's like you know <laughs> they're still doing a whole lot of those uh, in a row, and you're doing it over clear plastic. I think there's even bigger room for error. Um. Anyway, we'll see where clear plastic is in like a year or two, right? <laughs> Look forward uh, to to see what they do after after the current crop of figures. Um. Which brings us to Destron Supreme's uh, question, uh, who says, Dear Even Team, moral conundrums and toys. In an ideal world, the two would never intertwine, yet I found myself feeling guilty over certain figures or toy lines due to real-world issues. For instance, I was a massive Overwatch fan and had collected the Ultimates line as soon as they started showing up. Now I feel a tad mad at myself whenever I see the box I store them in. In another vein, I like wrestling figures. After numerous, fairly recent events, I feel bad that I ever decided to buy Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, or Jim Cornette figures due to a litany of backstage stories and real-world comments. I know that I should be able to separate plastic toys from harsh realities, but I still feel disappointed in myself for ever picking them up. I can't even bring myself to sell them, as that feels like profiting off something I can't condone. That leaves me with the questions I pose to you fine fellows today. Have you ever felt guilty about buying toys from an IP that eventually turned out to be somewhat problematic? And I'm just going to editorialize IP or, you know, individual. I refuse to refer to Hulk Hogan as an IP. <laughs> That's still a human man who is accountable for human man things. <laughs> Um, I mean, technically, Hulk Hogan... Hulk Hogan is the IP. <laughs> yeah. The, yes, the Terry Bollea pl- is the man. Yeah. He, he does not want anyone to know he's called Terry Bollea to this day, I still think. He wants everyone to... I mean, because it's the IP. But yeah, if it's a, if it's an individual human, I'm just like, I gotta point out, like, we're talking about IPs or individual humans who, as individuals, said uh, or did stuff that would be off-putting. Uh, so have you ever felt guilty buying st- stuff like that? Or uh, am I wrong to feel this way and need to get a thicker skin? Or is there some validity to all this worry? In any case, I want to thank you all for the podcast once again, as it helped me greatly through this time. Click. I want to just get right out in front and say you are not wrong and don't need a thicker skin. There is validity to that worry because that means that you are thinking about the consequences of their actions uh, or the, the consequences of a larger company such as Blizzard. Um, and uh, I, I had a, another um, parallel question to this um, in regards to Furai model uh, RC and, and by proxy Windblade. And uh, what I want to say really quickly is, in my opinion, it's it, you, you, if you like a thing, it's the the onus is not on you to stop liking it uh, and to feel bad that you own any of it. And if you do, that's also fine. That that is still evidence of how you are processing that thing. Um, but you're not a bad person for just owning it, nor would you be a bad person for selling it off. And because you you aren't really profiting off of those individuals or properties, they already did because you own the piece. 
the money that is changing hands by you selling them is, in my opinion, rather irrelevant um, to the items in question. Um, you're washing your hands of them, and they're going to someone who is more eager to get a hold of them. And I think that's fine and healthy to do. The part where you would have some um, moral consequence is if you take it a step further, if you go to the escalation of outwardly defending your like of the thing because it really wasn't all that bad what they did. That is where I think a, a Rubicon is crossed. Uh, and to Destron Supreme, and you know, I, I don't think that's what I don't think that's your position at all, clearly, given the question you just wrote. Um, so I think that there, there's never a point where, where you should say, Oh, I should just get a thicker skin because you have a thick enough skin and you have the clarity of mind and emotional maturity to identify that you do find this to be a problem. That is valid and that is not uh, a weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if, if you have a Hulk Hogan figure, and then you're like, wait a second, I think this guy is kind of a colossal scumbag racist. I don't want to own a Hulk Hogan anymore, but some guy over there is going to pay me 80 bucks for him. Then sell him to that guy for 80 bucks, because you have now, like, that's the best thing you can do. Otherwise, you've got this thing staring at you that makes you mad every time you see it, right? <laughs> uh, well, hmm. I, I think it's more of the point that they don't want to take money and like have like money they feel dirty about for for... Like, cause it's not, it's not the, like, you know, of course on a second hand transaction, yeah. Hulk Hogan doesn't profit off of selling off a Hulk yeah. Hogan toy, but they've got dirty money in their hands for taking it. Oh, oh absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. I, I would say I mean, like, and I've seen people do this. If you also want to be rid of it and you don't want to just profit off of it, sell it, take all the money you made off of it and, and donate that specifically to a charity that stands in opposition to whatever the individual or company did. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's the way to do it. I've seen people do that, that many that was, times. Yeah, I, I was going to say that. I know that I've seen that a few times where where that gets, you know, put the money inversely where the mouth is. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that is in now, fact one of the classiest moves you can do. Uh, also, if you tag them, <laughs> if yeah. you want to be a real a real mm-hmm. yeah. firebrand about it, you tag them and go like, "Hey, thanks to your whatever nonsense, I just want you to know that you uh, inadvertently donated this much money to this cause you don't like." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, I I will say uh as part of this, don't feel disappointed in yourself because you picked it up because you didn't know at the time. That also, yes. Like yes. you're completely that's completely out of your control. You had no idea. Now, after the fact, if all they've done is just sit in the bottom of a box somewhere, that's that, you know, you know, aside from, you know, like just what we said, that's that's completely acceptable too. Like you've like you haven't you haven't let go of them, but you're removing them from your life. You're not worshiping them, or you're not holding them uh, in any high regard anymore. Uh, my example is uh, I watch Achievement Hunter on YouTube, mm-hmm. and they put out all these they put out these little mini figures, and I've got a review of them on my YouTube channel. And one of the guys from that one turned out to be. Uh, I'm not going to go into detail, but he was taking advantage of fans of the series, so mm-hmm. he's completely completely exercised from the company at this point. And I still have that figure. It's not standing with the others that are still in the company and are so far completely fine. He's rotting at the bin, he's rotting at the bottom of a junk toy bin where I can't see him and no one who wants him will ever get him. Yeah. 
on a slightly well, I have another tangent I can go on, but before I do that, Aaron, did you have uh, anything in in this vein you wanted to throw in? Uh, not really. Um, just along the lines of you said, like you know, if if it's something that doesn't make you feel good to have anymore, like there's always the trash can as an option. Like if you're so vilely opposed to it, it's giving you that amount of heebie-jeebies that you don't even want to pass through a sale to to give a donation to something. There's always the bin that goes to the dump. Yeah, like uh, you, you know that it, it and and I guess that kind of comes down to what's your balance of it. If you understand that it has value and that you are willing to go through the process of converting that that value into currency. If you feel dirty about that currency and you want to do something with it, I think that donating to any cause is good. I have an extra life page. If I, you just hit me up, I'll show you where you can put that. The kids will love the money. Um, or like we said, you know, hey, if if this guy hates dogs for whatever reason, he's yeah. some sort of crazy wacko nut job, you can sell those items and give that money to your local shelter. Like there are ways that you can be rid of that and sure maybe it's going to somebody else it's like yeah screw the dogs they're all crap i'm a cat person you're like okay fine here take this yeah. this you know however if, you want to you, you want to move aspect, that on if that aspect gets to you then i'd say the dumpster is your your better bet yeah yeah although i will also um, say if it's an action figure you can always harvest them for joints like what better way what, what better uh depersonalization of an action figure could you do than to just strip it into its base components to use for something else <laughs> yeah that's yeah, true too yeah kit bash them yeah do something do something creative yeah it's really like, you know t- take the head off you know put the put the head into a vice and squeeze it till it pops because that could be funny and then <laughs> use all the rest of the parts for something um more you know i mean enjoyable it, it was a hulk hogan action figure but with a little bit of sculpey and some time is now a lovely rendition of george washington carver yeah it's perfect it's perfect <laughs> the one other thing i want to add just to the back of this because this is also you know a, a relevant little tangent um my, my previous tangent was that that outside of toys like there is a band very close to me that uh disappointed me is what i'll say a couple years ago and um where I put the anger and frustration of losing a lot of that, the comfort from a lot of that music for the time being, uh, was on the member of the band who disappointed me, because uh, they're the one who screwed up and decided to be scum. Uh, and that there's a common thing uh, when it comes to the things we enjoy crisscrossing. You know, going back to the question, crisscrossing with um, what was the phrasing here? Moral conundrums. Um, when that does happen there's a natural tendency to be angry that the something that was separate from that kind of thought was, was invaded by, you know, real life consequences. Uh, and often I see that there is an anger there that often gets put in the wrong direction. Uh, if, if, if someone reveals themselves to be terrible and it's annoying to you because, you know, Oh, I really like that movie, uh, which also has happened to me. Um, the place you put your anger is on the person who revealed themselves to be terrible because they're the one who who got they're the one who did it they're the one who's, who screwed everything up by choosing to be terrible. Uh, it's fine to like a problematic thing. It's just don't defend it as being unproblematic when like it it is like it's just, it's just like yeah it's a problematic thing. Just gonna pop in to amend something to that. It's fine to enjoy a problematic thing to a point. The nuance of this, I'm going to leave up to you for now. It didn't take too long. So, you know, 
in extension to that, don't like walk up to people who have expressed they really don't like the thing and go like, listen, I really like it. So I wanted to try to start a dialogue about how it's actually okay. Because like the crux of it is you like it and you want to feel like it's also unproblematic. And it's like, just accept that you like a problematic thing. If it makes you feel bad, mm-hmm. then like, again, that's emotional maturity. It's like, yeah, I kind of feel, feel guilty that I like this thing that has, you know, all these kind of lousy aspects to it. So I just don't go up to people who I know really don't like it and want to have prolonged conversations with them about how it's actually okay. Because that is that is one of the actual uh, negative choices to make. It's also perfectly acceptable to completely disengage from somebody that wants to be competitive in their opinions. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's that's the healthiest thing of all. You see somebody making idiotic, idiotic face noises, you just say, nah, and go a different direction. Yeah, yeah, it's just in in proportionality, there are occasionally scenarios that might be driven by um, million-plus subscriber YouTube channels where someone can no longer disengage from those voices because suddenly there are several thousand of them yelling at them all at the same time. (laughs) Oh, hey, popping in with one other really important thing, kind of relevant to the podcast thread. Uh, Board rules, no offside drama on the boards. So if you think that we're referencing some kind of certain event about which you wish to pipe up quite violently... Uh, not on the boards. Go message Aaron on Twitter. He's a uh, he's at sign AKSMTH, and uh, he's the one who's who's you know ready and willing uh, to hear all about uh, why you like the the whatever uh, thing. We got another listener question here from Soybean56, uh, who says, Do you have a favorite Transformer pack-in extra? Over the years, there's been decoys, trading stat cards, stickers, mini-comics, etc. Is there anything you'd like to see make a comeback, or something else you might like to see as a bonus pack-in? Thanks. Um, actually, to be honest, I have, like, two minds about it. I really like the Kingdom pack-in. Like, the the golden disc card with the sticker on top that reveals, like, another future. I like the concept a lot. The execution, not as much. Uh, we were talking about Pringle cards. Do you know what the Pringlest cards I've ever seen are? Are those Kingdom yeah, cards? Yeah, the, 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 the three of those stickers I have are super Pringled. Oh, those those cards, too. Just, like, what? Yeah. Like, oh, man. Yeah, well, I've, I've not, I, like, peeled it back three quarters of the way to see what was underneath it, and then put the sticker back down. Because... I'm not eight years old and throw stickers on everything. So I, I did the same because I don't have a fun thing to put the stickers on yet. Just don't look at my computer case. I, I, I don't I don't have like a fun place to put them yet. And I thought the first one, when I put the sticker back on and it curled, I was like, oh, it must be because I took the sticker off and everything got out. I'll just leave the stickers on the other ones. Does doesn't change anything. <laughs> they still, mm-hmm. they're, they're a funny looking stack on my table is what they are. Uh, but I actually I actually like those a lot. Um Aaron, what's one of your favorite pack-ins, or is there something you still want to see as a pack-in? Um, I have two parts of Macadam. I think that Build-A-Figures are neat. I just wish they weren't always drug out across a couple of waves, or or things like that, or, there. hey, there's eight things that come in a case, and only one of them has the head, because why... To get you to buy the whole wave. That's how well, it's always no, I, worked. No, I know. I know it's to get you to buy the whole wave, but when, like, it's not, okay, there's eight pieces to make this thing. There's eight things in a case. That makes sense. Instead, when it's like, hey, there's eight pieces to make this thing. We're going to do it across two waves. Only one thing in those two waves, in those potential 16 boxes, has one of the parts. 
um, like some of those odd packings. I don't think that's happened with Transformers, but I know that that's happened with some other lines where just for whatever reason, somebody along the way is like, oh, nobody wants to buy the girl figure. Let's short pack that one or anything of that fashion. You're, yeah, you're, uh, you're talking uh, the Power Ranger lines. Yeah. Also, the, the Marvel yeah. Legends uh, X-Men wave that was exclusive somewhere where Jubilee was the Build-A-Figure. And, like, there was also still, I think Storm was short-packed in that one. And she came with, like, yeah. a significant mm-hmm. part of Jubilee. Uh, yeah. yeah. That also made me go, like, so how does... And I still never looked this up, but I was like, so if there's a short pack of a significant piece of Jubilee, does that mean Jubilee <laughs> herself is manufactured in a way where there's less torsos than there are limbs in existence. There, there's just a yeah. dumpster in Vietnam that's full of those torsos. Because <laughs> they're just like, I don't know what this is for. Extra parts. It's just easier to throw them away. This confused like, me a lot. Like that. Yeah. That's that's the sort of thing that gets like kind of frustrating when it's a build a figure. Um, <clears throat> what are the other things? Decoys. Those were neat. I think that was just a what do we do to like plus it up because they also had what else was in g1 it was the iron-on patches oh yeah i always forget about those i think were the other thing that those were just kind of like plus up things yeah um they did those those small like simple figures too yeah yeah not um, hubcaps the the little little car they like hubcap things but they were smaller yeah the mini spies, dashers, mini spies. power dashers. dashers. No, no, dashers were the the diaclone. No, the, da- the dashers were no, the those were mail away. Those were mail away. Yeah, no, mini, mini spies. dashers. Oh. Mini spies were the the yeah. Mini spies. That was yeah. it. Yeah. Um. Say, Why can I, I remember know that? that like, Why do I remember that immediately? Like, no, no, wait. Let me access the database. <laughs> mini spies. That's what it was. I haven't yeah. thought about those in literally five years. But <laughs> uh. I, th- I think that things like the trading cards or stat cards could be neat if it was like done well. I think it was kind of frustrating with the the most recent attempt at it, where it was just um, <clears throat> where it was was the the ones with the different uh, he- the headmasters. Uh where it was like there were the six or eight or twelve different options for each oh, card. The card. Oh, right. Uh, Whatever that was. Oh, was it yeah. Power of the Primes, where they had the different... Uh, yeah, the, different, the Prime Masters. Yeah. Depending which Prime like, they merged that is, with, the different power sets it was. That is a, that is a thing where I saw at, at a convention way too many things that were open minus that card because somebody had to have it. Like, that to <laughs> me is not cool because it like, there's no reasonable way for you to get all of those cards short of, you know, going out and buying 12 of each leader, yeah. hoping that that you get what you're looking for. Come it on. It sounds like Kingdom solved that by actually only having, like, one version per wave. So there's only, like, three or four cards in a wave. Uh, yeah. And, like, the, the alternate arc, for instance, like, has been found in wave two for the folks who found those. But like that's where it is. It's not like oh, there might be some people in wave are finding one. wave two. People, someone bastards. So someone stumbled. I remember I saw this on Twitter. It was a couple weeks ago. Someone stumbled across some wave two stuff that was just out too early or something. Like it just was sitting there. It was like uh, I've I've found three of the four deluxes of wave one and the legends or whatever the heck they're calling the smallest ones now. The cores, and that's it. The, the course, that's it, in town. If I want to drive two hours, I can get 
to Indianapolis where they're actually restocking, but here in town they're not. Yeah, and people are already finding wave two. Well, yell only, only like one person. It was like one person just stumbled across. Doesn't matter. Air Razor. Doesn't matter that they that they've shown up somewhere else, and I've still not actually seen the yeah. first wave <laughs> deployed for real. I was I was I was told someone told me that uh, wave two core showed up in Germany. Hell yeah! You know what? Germany deserves it. Ger- I can speak from first-hand experience now. European, or at least German, Transformers distribution is terrible. So, And the pricing is also terrible. So congrats if they can have a first of, of anything. Like, <laughs> uh, Pat's on the back. Um, now, I was, I was going to say, there, there was something, this is a little tangent, but there's something I learned about the decoys recently... Someone sent me a f- even photo evidence of it, and I, I don't I don't have it on hand anymore. I can dig it up though. But basically, the gist of it is, you know how there's that whole thing where the plasticizer in the effect parts from Siege has proven to be odd when left in contact uh-huh. with ABS plastic, where it's like its plasticizer is like bleeding into the ABS, and in some cases making the ABS start to crumble. Um, mm-hmm. So if you if you take a G1 decoy. And you, for instance, the easiest one, this is the one I was shown, and you put it onto Omega Supreme's tracks, like his his uh, circular track around his base mode, and you just leave it there for like a couple days, the decoy will start to melt through Omega Supreme's track. Huh. That's cool. Uh, like the, de- the, the plastic in the G1 decoys... It's plasticizer or whatever softener is in it, like eats through <laughs> other plastic. Oh God, I wish I could remember. I think it was. I think it was. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep looking this up because I, I had I had actual proof that I was shown, but this was months ago. I think. Um, I just remember it really freaked me out when I saw it. Um, anyway. I'm going to keep searching for that while we're talking about stuff. Oh, yeah, Ricky Westbrook is the one who showed it to me. Oh, I found it. I found the thread. Yeah. Uh, Here, I'm just going to link this into our little chat here. Uh, But yeah, Ricky Westbrook uh, on Twitter. uh, In response to episode 597 in Exploding Toys, G1 decoys will react and slowly melt through certain plastic, namely Omega Supreme's white track pieces, decoys undamaged, WTF. And there is a photo of a decoy who left a body print of sorts in the hmm. in the bottom of an Omega Supreme track yeah. piece. Those surely are slightly eaten. And uh, Baltan 2 also said Keshigomu in general, which is, you know, like uh, muscle toys or uh, stuff like decoys, are infamous for doing this. King Keshi mixed in with lots from other toys in storage will melt certain other plastics, including things like the very plastic, plastic stadiums made for them back in the 80s. Current releases and muscle figures don't have the same dangerous issue, but the King Keshi apparently do. Man, like this blew my mind because I was like, yeah, we, things we're learning decades later about the, when they were just like, I don't know, make a soft plastic. Just use a soft plastic. It's fine. <laughs> hmm. um, anyway, thank you for that question. Uh, where was I? Where was I? Soybean56. Um, as far as I, I guess I'll throw in one. As far as like something else I'd like to see as a bonus pack in. Uh, I just don't, like, my idea is I don't know if they count as pack-ins anymore. It's stuff like, you know, an articulated pretender shell. That's more of an actual toy. Uh, 
when I, the next idea I had was like, oh, little like transforming vehicle things. And it's like, oh, you mean an entire accessory piece for the actual toy, not a pack-in. Uh, if there were like some kind of standardized additional universal accessory that could be packed in, which I feel like has been done before. Um, maybe like a build a weapon as opposed to a build a figure like that'd be kind of cool. Whatever it is, I'd, I'd like it to be either, either ha- uh, be satisfying on a tactile level or have a really deep thematic tie to, to the line in question. That's, that's mostly what I'd like. Uh, but yeah, um, thank you for your question. Uh, we're going to hit this one from Blackhawk Omega next. Uh, I don't have any opinion on Packins. Did I pass over you? I got so distracted by that decoys thing that I skipped right past you. <laughs> My apologies. TJ, I did skip right past you. What's your take on, on the Packin? Do, do you have a dream one or do you have a favorite one? Um, A lot of those are covered. You know, like I do like Build-A-Figures. I don't like when they're spread across multiple waves, but, you know... I kind of get how that works. Um, for me, I do like the mini comics, like not 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 like IDW going here's a comic book, just pack it in with a toy. <laughs> I like the mini comics because they just get away with just nonsense, using whatever characters they want, and just silly storylines that you wouldn't normally see. Yeah, like I think there's more mm-hmm. potential fun there. Um, what I actually really liked, and this was just like an incidental, I liked all the story blurbs that were with the Beast Hunter figures. Oh, I forgot and I li- about I liked- those. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I liked how, like, if you had all the instructions from the whole set, you got this one long storyline that inter that interwove all the characters, TV show or otherwise. I, for- I, I forgot the lo- whole thing. Holy crap. That's what I would love in, like, a mini-comic, where if I bought these over a certain course of time, I could, like, like a build-a-graphic novel. The... Kenner Alien Toys did that. Um, like the the old Kenner Alien Toys, where Bishop was like had had built in shades and stuff. Uh, they had mini comics that were like a serialized story. I think there were two of them. I, I looked this up recently because I was on a, a wiki dive. Uh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, that would be neat. Because um, I agree with you about mini comics. I was I was gonna say those IDW pack-ins for Thrilling Thirty also were like absolutely not mini because they were just a full sized comic book. So they they, yeah. they broke the structure in many ways, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, the creativity being silly, not having to be fully in line with the continuity. You know, power of the primes, especially given like just the lack of clarity as to what the gimmick was supposed to kind of be. Uh, I think mini comics would have been great for power of the primes because we we had in the promo materials. Remember they had those like two art spreads that were like. I think there was like a paragraph of text attached to each one, and that was the closest we got as to like what the Prime Masters with Pretender Shells were, uh, as mm-hmm. far as like fictional intent. Yeah, I like also, you know what? Mini comics means more artists we like potentially get work. So I'm also, I'm going to say, yeah, pro mini comics. Man, to think of what I almost lost by getting so distracted by decoys melting through plastic. <laughs> I was just ex- I was also excited that I remembered that cuz that was from you know how I, I said that that was months ago that was January 12th that was in fact numerically less than a month ago <laughs> Oh time uh 
anyway, yeah, our next, uh, thank you, TJ, also for reminding me to <laughs> swing back around. Uh, our next question is from Blackhawk Omega, um, who's going to cut right to the chase as per the question. Number one, now that the red line is a reality, are there any characters you particularly like to see? Since Prime Knockout's already confirmed, uh, Blackhawk Omega's are Prid Strongarm and G1 Fall Cybertron, Bruticus, or any combiner, really. Um, I mean, yeah, um, Strongarm, anyone from RID 2015 done in that style, I would, I would be down with. Really, anyone who is in G1. And the G1 part of Red has so far been the least exciting thing to me. I got Megatron. I don't think I want any of the other ones. Uh, and and I also feel like, you know, we're going to talk about it eventually uh, on another episode, because we have a whole month to talk about it. Uh, with Super 7 doing their Ultimates thing, it's kind of like, now there's a high-end version of Red that is under 100 bucks stepping into Red's sandbox. And, like, with Red Eyes, I want to see them go everywhere that is not obvious G1. That, that's really about it. Um, Action Master Elites are what I really want to see, but I've also put that bounty out to Super 7, so we'll see who picks it up first. Uh, TJ, what about you? Like, um, what what else do you want to see in red now that we have kind of like a wave and a half of in-hand reports? I was trying to think of something that that wouldn't translate well to a toy, because mm. a, lo- a lot of figures I thought we wouldn't get like really good toys out of the Transform. We're, we're doing that right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. yeah yeah but like you know, like like because like uh prime knockout's a great one because like, i still feel like he deserved such better in the toy market mm-hmm. um the one that came the one that came to mind where even if they even if they reused the old toy or even if they did a new one it probably wouldn't come out right was beast wars ravage yeah mm. yeah yeah like especially there's a third party one transart is doing a beast wars ravage and it looks good, but like every time I see a Beast Wars Ravage uh, idea, it's always like, and here's his alt mode where he's on all fours, and I'm kind of like, I know it's not interfering with the toy that much, but like, why bother? Like, just put more into him having like his pistols come out or something, or just make him less expensive. You know? Yeah, he doesn't like, need it. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I don't really care about him having a Beast mode because I never saw him in one. Like, yeah. And he needs a cassette mode. Yeah, his, his alt yeah, yeah. mode was a <laughs> like, damn it. cassette. <laughs> Fig- yeah, figure out the cassette mode on him. That's like that's kind of where like I don't care if he transforms. Just make him look close to how he did in the show, and just I don't know, pack a mini cassette with him is just like yeah, a swap in accessory. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, red is the perfect place to do, especially with what sounds like a bit of a push to get beasts just in general back into the the evergreen spotlight. Red seems like the perfect place to finally do a second official Beast Wars Ravage. Because, yeah, like, if someone does make a a Beast Wars Ravage turn into a cassette, even if it doesn't, like, you know, literally shrink, I'm down for that because that is just a bonkers concept idea, and I like those. But it's always, no, let's have them turn into, you know, a quadruped. And it's like, so you're making not Cheetor, you're making Pseudo-Tigatron, Like <laughs> that's the thing, because like mm-hmm. you want to leave your Cheetor remold options available. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a that's such that's a solid one, um, especially like with them only having done Cheetor so far as you know as far as beast stuff. Um, oh, and if they if they do him with the you know the non G one thing of a removable chest plate, remove his chest plate and see like cassette details inside. That'd be kind of cool. Oh yeah. Uh, Aaron, what about you? What's what's something you want to see in red now that it exists? 
Um, I think that beasts are a good place to like just do a whole good line of them as action figures without some of the like just animal kibble having it be more like CGI model. Because even like I've got Cheetor, yeah, um, from from the new line. And man, it kind of sucks that he's got big stuff over his shoulder, so he can't really move his arms up without awkward, like, arm has to go forward and way out. And, like, he does a good job of transforming, but some of his proportions are still a bit odd. It'd be nice to have just a, hey, here's just the beautiful toy version, you know, action figure version of this versus, you know, still having to transform. I would say that the red Cheetor is missing a really big, easy layup by not having a head swap for the Toy Mutant head. Like, yeah, it's such a friggin' gimme. <laughs> but I, I think that that could be a good place. Um, the other one that, uh, if red wasn't a Walmart exclusive line, that it'd be interesting to go would be some of the like Japanese leaders. Mm. Yeah. 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 I I thought like, you were about to say that what you would like for Red is for it to not be a Walmart exclusive line because I was going to like that's the best I mean, character idea ever. That too cuz <laughs> cuz I've not seen that but no but having like Leo Convoy. Yeah. Or or Big Convoy or um whatever the Be- was it Beast Wars 2 that was Leo Convoy. Galvatron or oh, Neo okay. Galvatron like having those or just the the top end but foreign guys that you know there's because there's no way that you know a retail leo convoy is ever going to happen or a retail star saber is going to happen but at a like a 20 dollar price point in an action figure style maybe it could now, where where i could probably see that happening would be what super seven's now doing with their ultimates y- line yes mm-hmm. yeah yes but, but that also kind of gets into the like we're halfway between these these ranges. I, th- I think that something in between that might be a good spot. I don't know. I, I also think, just given how Super 7 do their other Ultimates lines, I feel like them laying hand upon Beast Wars seems like not in their interest field. Not not like as a dig on them. It's just they, they, they have very much, you know, they, they very much have an era, a decade that they really like. I feel that's represented very hard in a lot of the decisions they make. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I, I suspect, I suspect that they don't really have any interest in doing that unless like, there's a chance that the, the license they got involves the license, the licensor contact at some point going like, you know, we got the word beast in a movie and we're according to one of the leaked rumor lists, which I, as the Hasbro person in this hypothetical situation appear to be quoting for some reason, there's some chance we're going to reissue trans metals or something. It'd be good if you did a beast character like that. Maybe that happens, you know, but I, I suspect that that license exists to have two action masters come out every like two thirds of a year. Uh, mm-hmm. Every, what was that? Two thirds of a year, every eight months a pre-order for two action masters or something. Uh, but yeah, like I, I should say for beast stuff, like, you know, clearly Furai action is doing two beast characters. Uh, but that's also like in the higher end thing. The the thing about red that is an opportunity full stop is that it is a Hasbro six inch line with that locked price point. Uh, and that, I guess I was going to say that also, you know, locked distribution, except it's a Walmart exclusive line. So it doesn't have that. Uh, 
but it's a way to have that stuff happen in that vaguely more affordable Hasbro six inch realm. Um, with, with, you know, the ups and downs that come with that. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that with red, like there's characters I'd like to see, but for, I just want to know, I want to know if there's actually a chance of them having like one large red figure happen as a big event or something, or are we just running with like what would have been like a San Diego comic-con? Yeah, like a Devastator. True exclusive yeah. type thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like Toys R Us got the Sentinel for Legends and something like that. Yeah, you know, like the the Sentinel basically. Like, And I I would assume it's Devastator. Like, just given the way Red is running, it's like, if they're going to do a big guy, it's probably a Devastator. Um, mm-hmm. He's a big, exciting figure. He's got the nostalgia push, and he's, you know, large. Uh, and I, I want to know if that is, in fact, like, remotely a reality, or if that's just a polite answer when Q&As happen. Because uh, otherwise, with characters, I'm just going to start saying all the ones... I, I mean, I, I want Action Masters in official action figure lines, especially simple, simpler ones. Like, the high-end action figure lines, like what Three Zero is doing, to me are separate things that don't have to lean into Transformer that doesn't transform. They're just doing high-end robots. Red and what Super 7 are doing are very much leaning into, this is Transformers action figures, as the capitalized words. And to me, that says you, you should at some point throw a bone to action masters and thank goodness super seven is that is the most exciting thing about it, about that announcement all they got to do that's why i'm also holding off talking about them a little bit all they got to do is during this pre-order window if they could just at some point even in words just explain the articulation a little bit because that was a thing with their ninja turtles where they kind of just didn't and it turned out hey the ninja turtles are pretty darn poseable lots of hidden articulation and it's like, I would like to know, though, beforehand, <laughs> especially with these being made to order, like, mm-hmm. like, just tell me, like, <laughs> like, surprises are fun. But also, I just want to know if Bonsai Tron has shoulder range or not. Yeah, because I can see how he could with hidden articulation. But, like, I'm just kind of relying on it existing. And I feel like y'all could tell me, like, I, I know those are all CAD models. Uh, you know, there's a CG models. There's, there's no physical prototypes yet, but like, even if it's CAD models, you had to have designed the shoulder, right? Like, you could tell me in words if the shoulder does a thing. <laughs> ah. Anyway, um, now I did a tangent. Now I'm now I'm scared. Did I miss anyone? Because I'm not sure if I hit Aaron or not on this. I did for for question for question one. Yeah. Yes. Okay, I did hit Aaron. All right, Aaron, I'm going to hit you again with my hand. Open hand, though, because we're friends. Uh, question number two. Uh, how have you changed as a collector? Uh, Black Hawk Omega gives some some examples. Uh, quote, personally, I find myself buying basically no repaints, retools, being more wary about paint chipping and issues like the tabs on Earthrise Clifftrumper shoulders and Earthrise Wheeljack's weapon being painted, preferring cheaper, smaller figures as opposed to bigger, expensive ones like with Common Rider, Shoto versus Fig Arts, or Generations versus Masterpiece Transformers, indulging in non-transforming Transformers like the Furai model line, and lastly, I no longer get annoyed at legacy characters being in every line like Optimus and Bumblebee. I've basically become less salty about Transformers in general, uh, and Black Oak Omega says, I joined TFW around the time the Prime First Edition line was cancelled, and who boy, I was angry. I was reminiscing about that era briefly with someone somewhere, like the those, whatever, like two or three months when first we knew First Edition was ending, but we didn't know what Prid was, and it was like, what's happening? What's happening? That was probably a peak anger moment fandom wide, I would say. Uh as far as like like not pointed anger, but just like 
everyone's a little ruffled around the collar. Everyone's a little bit, like, short. <laughs> but we're like, do we still have a main line? <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, Aaron, how do you feel you've changed as a collector? Um, I've, I'm definitely more towards the reducing repaints, retools. Um, not to say that I haven't and don't and won't, um, but I still do. Mm-hmm. Um, I try, like, incidental aesthetic things, I think, I kind of just go, uh, on and move along with. Like, if something chips, like, for paint or something, yeah. that, like, sucks, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Um... I don't think in the past I think I would have gone pretty far to like return and get the better the right one if something's wrong with a toy um but anymore it seems either through distribution or through like various exclusives you know when I've gotten a thing with two right shoulders okay reach back out to where I got it from and they're like yeah it was sold out when you pre-ordered it what like you know, it, it, it'd it go back to that old option of, you know, somebody returning a, a deluxe to Hasbro because it has something wrong and then they get a different deluxe back. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I've seen enough of those that I've got, you know, broken enough on it to just be like, eh, I'll just deal, I guess. Yeah. Like, if it, it, um, like not, not to jump ahead, but it's kind of like, especially if it's a wave one figure, it's kind of like, well, you know, I'll see it again. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Um but yeah, I you know, for the rest of the things on this list I have, you know, pretty similar similar feelings uh on things. Um I know a lot of people that get salty that there's always an Optimus and a Bumblebee and a Starscream and a Megatron. And I see that online and I have to be, say like, do you understand that ultimately this is a business, right? Like those are the those are the face characters of everything. I I don't think that Hasbro could like, okay. I think that Hasbro could do a line and not have an Optimus prime in it. I don't think that they would because they know that an Optimus prime is going to sell because that's the leader of the good guys. Even if you had a show for real out, not a Netflix series or something like that for it. And you had Optimus primal as the leader or Bumblebee was the leader or some other character was a leader. Like they're still going to say, okay, well, where's Optimus Prime? Because he's been the leader in everything forever. Like, there's the reason why brands do evergreen things because that works. That's also and, it's also a perfect example for me of like a conversation where when I see it, I kind of just leave it alone because I'm like, it doesn't bother me that they're in every line, but everything yeah. that you know my two friends over here are saying and annoyed about is not wrong. So I'm just going to mm-hmm. give them their birth to get it out of their system or, you know, not get it yeah. out of their system. And that's just, they're going to talk about it. It's like, doesn't bug me, but they're not wrong. So go for it. Uh, yeah, it, 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 I think it's more a thing that I see it and I'm just like, man, like you, you, you're putting a lot of energy into something that just doesn't need to. Well, end of but, the day, too. Sometimes when I've talked to friends who are <sighs> over salty, it's like. I'll just say, like, you're kind of salty about this. And they're like, yeah, I'm irritated about something else that I don't want to think about. And this is how I'm getting it out. And I'm like, no, valid. That's that's fine. Like, <laughs> get it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, other, the other thing I would say as far as, like, the reason why is, like, 
the the really ugly way to put it that's also true i think is like when they're not taking any risks of that degree and that sort and everything's going fine then why would they take the risk because not taking a risk is going fine so it's like when it comes to the the ugly side of the fact this is all owned by a corporation they're not going to take a risk when they don't gotta and right now they don't yeah gotta. and <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing, because, you know, it's the flip side of, okay, Action Masters line. Let's do Action Masters. Because, you know, that sounds like a neat thing. That was a thing that we did in the 80s, right? Let's do Action Masters. And then they set up a whole line for Action Masters, because we're going to buck the trends. And then it turns out that non-transforming Transformer toys die on the retailer shelves okay well now retailers have a bunch of this dead stock that they're either going to have to clearance lose a bunch of money on and don't want to carry it anymore or sell back to the company so you know sell those back to hasbro now hasbro has to eat a bunch of that okay well we tried something new with transformers and it didn't sell so go back we to can't what we were doing do, before <laughs> we so we can't we can't do transformers all crazy again because there's this big you know red line in the you know in in the the earnings that was like hey transformers used to be our big thing when we were you know hitting the same old same old but we tried something new and we lost x amount of dollars on it and now walmart doesn't want to carry anything but a very basic transformers line for a while until we can prove it to them again oh wait a second they're the biggest retailer for toys now uh yeah, and that, that's why at the end of the day, like, just nod and agree when someone says, A, it's pretty bad yeah. that retailers get to dictate that stuff. And then B, uh, when you see Transformers not doing well as a brand someday, get excited. Because <laughs> with Transformers specifically, that probably means they're going to take a big risk in about two years. Uh, and to me, that's something to get excited about. Because also, if it, if it goes badly, then we still had probably by that point, what, like a 40-year-long run? So, <laughs> that's why whenever people are like, oh man, some parts of Transformers and their earnings are going down. It's like, good. Like, <laughs> that means they're going to shake something up. I'd rather see that than, than comfort. Uh, we have, we've had so much comfort for so long. Let's shake it up a little bit. Uh, TJ, it's rolling this one back around. How do you feel you've changed as a collector? It's actually changed a lot, last, especially the last few years, because the start of me collecting is I have to have every figure. Like, that, like I was completionist mindset, and that probably lasted until around Revenge of the Fallen. I think that's, that's actually so that's a common from, story. Mm-hmm. The 07 movie through 09, I think, murdered completionism for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, well, before then, it was like, okay, we re- we repaint every toy one time, and then we move on. And that, then when the movie toys came out, it's, well, we'll give this one a slightly different paint job, and we'll sell it again. We'll add a little bit of baby blue, and we'll sell it again. And this toy, you know, this Bumblebee will come out six times. And I'm, 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 I'm good now. I'm good now. Uh... I've gotten to this point in where I am very much the sell the old to buy the new kind of stage in my collecting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I've found I've lost a lot of my taste for the high-end stuff because I'm so satisfied with what I'm getting at the retail level. Mm-hmm. You know, like I did away with a lot of my masterpieces last year, and I don't miss them. 
Like I look up at the shelf where they were and I, I'm completely okay looking at blank space. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's actually a look I'm starting to do. I've got the, you know, masterpiece movie star scream that I picked up inexpensively and it's just sitting there ready to go back in its box. Cause. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, I find I find I find that what I want out of Transformers these days, Masterpiece won't give me either because it's gotten too expensive to commonly afford, or because the retail level gets away with things that uh, you can't do at Masterpiece. You know, I you know the example is again the Jazz I picked up because Porsche won't give up the license to actually make a Masterpiece. Yeah. So if I want an '84 cast together, which I do. Retail's my only option. Yeah, and you're the only thing you're really like suffering for on jazz, you know, aside from some tabs being maybe weird on a given copy, which seems to be pretty variable, is like he's not a Porsche, he's a Porsche like with, you know, foot bumpers. And it's like, all right. Yeah. Is that really mm. that bad? <laughs> it really isn't. It really yeah. isn't. Does everything else. It's the first time I felt like I could do away with reveal the shield jazz since that toy came out yeah or even studio series hot rod as well is like a masterpiece voyager is what i would call oh, yeah. it like oh yeah it's 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 interesting to me actually how like the fr- the word masterpiece i think you know, this is kind of a blanket statement i think f- a lot of us need to reassess and remember masterpiece is just a brand name of a subline mm-hmm yeah. Um, yeah. That that used to stand for the highest budget Transformers, and therefore the place where some designers really got to flex their muscles in ways they hadn't before, and got to try out some stuff. And I think that lessons learned from that have trickled down to where we're seeing stuff that 15 years ago we would assume was a masterpiece toy, but it's a trick happening in a retail toy. Um, or yeah. And, and the first one of these I, I think about is when, um, what was it? Uh, not classics, Generations, Sideswipe, and, and Sunstreaker came out. And one of the first comments we were all saying was like, it's so weird how they got like alternators tech into this deluxe figure. Because uh, there were, you know, the, the parts of them like resemble, it was it was them resembling like bits of alternators. Uh, Who's it? Mirage, I think it was. There was some figure where it's like there was an alternators trick on them. And the conversation for at least a week was like, it's crazy that there's like an alternators transformation uh, flavor in this ten dollar deluxe. That's, how'd they do that? How'd they get it so small? And I think it's just happening again. Um, Studio Series Hot Rod is just such a good example because he, yeah, he emblemizes a lot of these ideas. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I genuinely feel like that toy transforms better than the masterpiece does. Oh yeah, yeah. And the fact that the fact that the fact that they worked in the one weird transformation from the movie and still accomplished that is is just amazing. And and like jazz, like the price paid, you know, aside from you know pl- the some of the I, I'm assuming some of the necess- necessities of like plastic types with only doing plastic types in a certain number of colors on the roof. Like he's got also got his kneecap sticking out the back of the car. Except like also if you look at if you look at it from any, any angle from the top the gigantic fin is over top of them and you can't actually see them. <laughs> and it's like, okay, if this toy was $50 more expensive, they probably would have engineered a rear bumper cover out of that, the, the final backpack flap. Uh, so, you know, you can see how it could escalate, but the core of that satisfaction is still in that, you know, Voyager figure. Um, mm-hmm. that, that whole, like, 
allowing the price point to be a price point less so than a size class, I think, is going to keep leading to interesting stuff like this. Uh, and, in, yeah, to, to where you were coming from, if those transformation tricks were part of the satisfaction of Masterpiece, then, like, yeah, Masterpiece is not necessarily necessary for your tastes as they've evolved, right? Um, because mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're hitting those notes still and you're not having to, to take the triple digit risk anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, what both of you guys are saying, like the whole conversation about changing as a collector, I really like, because I feel that once upon a time changing as a collector, as a conversation was like time to sell my toys. And like, that was always the conversation, uh, and that's, I'm just realizing now, like, that, that is part, TJ, that's part of what you're talking about, but I think it's different. It's like, maturing as a collector in the 2000s was about stopping collecting, basically. And I think more and more now we're having the much more uh, healthy conversation of just, like, accepting that our changes, or, or not changes, our tastes change. Uh, and also we hone in on what we find satisfaction in. I think almost everyone starts as, as a completionist of some kind, be it a line or just be it a team or a character. And eventually, like, that leads you through experiencing so many figures at once. You start realizing over time, consciously or subconsciously, oh, I really enjoy this part of my favorite figures all the time. And then eventually, I'm just going to seek out the figures that that hit that one note for me, because that's the thing I enjoy the most. Uh I, we, we've also not had, had any conventions for like a year, so I'm, I'm having all these like convention panel thoughts again. Uh, mm-hmm. They've been lying dormant, but it's still one of my favorite topics because it's it to me it's the it's the healthy and optimistic version of maturing as a collector. Um, or in, like going to what Blackhawk Omega lists out here, like you know a really important thing, in fact, is something like I no longer get annoyed at because the less you get annoyed at something that you enjoy, the the healthier it is. Uh, the more that you can kind of have the ability to put it over on a shelf for a day or a week or several months because it's like, oh, everything's annoying me a bit. So I'm going to put this one over here and I'm going to go look at something else, you know, as this hobby over here, this franchise over here. Um, yeah, like, like thinking about myself, the way I've changed as a collector is also like getting away from from uh, wanting to own everything. In my case, it's more so just I end up owning lots of it because of a combination of sales and just irresponsibility <laughs> and wanting serotonin. But, uh, like, I have managed to stop myself from feeling the... Not, like, I still want to, like, hey, I'd love to pre-order Wave 1 of the new Transformers line. That sounds fun. But then, like, if I can't, I don't care. Because I'm like, well, I'll track them down eventually. Like, it doesn't feel critical to get in on the zeitgeist uh, of of wave one anymore and and the thing i'm trying to still train myself out of just in general is like not worrying about fomo like i always lament about it because i always it is a bummer but like i missed siege omega supreme and i've missed earthrise scorpionok i would like to own those two figures but i didn't want to buy them for retail because whenever they were on sale at retail it was not an expenditure i felt good about making so i didn't uh i'd still like to track them down at some point but they'll arrive someday if I really want them. And then maybe at some point I'll feel like, ah, you know, I mess with other people's enough times. I'm fine. You know, like getting rid of the, the intense, uh, feeling of like, Oh, I got to make sure I engage with this when it's fresh or when it's on topic. I got to make sure I engage with this thing right now. Like getting rid of that has been something I've been working on. And also just kind of to me the theme of how I've changed as a collector over time and it makes me really happy because it just means I'm enjoying what I got and 
whenever I'm able to go get more stuff and nothing's new. I got all this stuff in the ether of online sales or whatever, or convention halls, where I'm like, hey, I always wanted to mess with that one, and I can buy it right now. I'm going to pick it up. Um, but yeah, other than that, I guess, like, I've gotten away a little bit from being a mold completionist because I don't want the ramp formers. That's not very impressive because they're about eight Canadian dollars a piece. Uh, but like, I didn't, I don't, I don't really want Earthrise RC. I've ended up with two versions of the mold still, so that's not all that impressive. But like, I don't really feel like I need to like go hunt down the set of the mold, you know, something like that. It, it's not as impressive as everyone else's, but I'm still happy about it. Um, Third and lastly from Blackhawk Omega, uh, what non-Transformers lines are we currently into? Um, Blackhawk Omega's into Kamen Rider, Shoto, and RKF, Mega Constructs, particularly He-Man, and SHF Street Fighter. Mega Constructs He-Man is a legit line. He-Man is quietly having a bunch of really legit and affordable lines, it feels like. Like, between Mega Constructs and those, those Origins figures, the, like, articulated 80s figures, like, this quietly, they're like, yeah, He-Man has lines if you want it. Um, but Aaron, is there anything non-Transformers you're currently really into as far as toy lines? Not really. Keeping it focused? Yeah, yeah keeping it cheap. There's plenty of stuff out there that I think would be really neat, but I know how I am with other things. So it's just better to like look at it and not buy it. That's more collector maturity. That's me and Mega Constructs, in fact. Yeah. They're very cool, and I know if I buy them, it will be a problem, so I don't. <laughs> uh, that's, that's actually... Just on that last question, one more bullet point that I really also want to say one more time because it's relevant. A huge thing that is so valuable that everyone should be eager to accept if it comes to them is that you cannot buy a thing but still think is cool. Like, that's, that's such an important point. Mega Constructs in me, for instance. Uh, TJ, what about you? Is there, what's, what's a non-Transformers line you're into right now? Uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the same position where I've trimmed a lot of the things that I used to collect feverishly. Uh, you caught me on the year that I'm not doing anything of the current Common Rider series. Uh, I'm not doing figure, I haven't done figure arts in a long time. Uh, what, what I had, what I do occasionally pick up when I get the chance, I've got a lot more figureized models. Mm-hmm. And I still I still get my big Lego sets, so I have not had the chance to build either recently. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, but this is bec- this is a consequence of my job. Uh, I do have a lot more Funko Pops than I used to. It's justifiable. But though. I fe- I'm just gonna back that up. It's justifiable right now. It's just <laughs> yeah, like I feel I feel I feel like I've gained so much more knowledge about them at this point that like. There, there's a there's an appreciation level that I think goes beyond just like oh, big headed vinyl thing. Well, I'm also making an assumption, which is that you're not pursuing them like the Funko collectors that are the caricatures we tend to talk about. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I get my I get the ones I like that happen across my you know view my vantage point, and that's about it. Because you also said you have an empty shelf, and if you were like you know the hardcore Funko folks, you you wouldn't have an empty shelf. You would have built a wall. I wouldn't have shelves. I just have a yeah. I just have a wall of white cardboard boxes. 
You want to talk about unhealthy collecting? I every time I see one of those Funko displays, I just like like I get it. I don't want to. I'm not trying to to you know poop on someone's yard, but like holy moly, like <laughs> I struggle. Yeah. I struggle to understand how this, where the satisfaction comes from with the wall of white boxes. Uh, specifically, hey, that, be, that comes from a that comes from a collector's value thing because some of them do skyrocket in price. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, but that's like Beanie Babies. Some of those also skyrocketed in price. Yeah, but Beanie yeah. Babies lasted like two years before that bottomed out. Some of the like, I'll, I'll tell you this: at the store, we've got Funko Pops that are like ten years old and they're worth over one hundred fifty dollars still. Yeah, the the thing I learned about Funko Pops from a really bad YouTube weekend once. Uh, that I don't think is very well known if you've been poo-pooing them for the most part like me, is, like, there's rarity levels of Funko Pops that are irrelevant to the lines. There's just mm-hmm. rarity levels mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that are known and quantifiable. And the moment I learned that, I was like, okay, this already makes 200% more more sense to me now, because now it has the same hook as, I believe... I, I believe Hot Wheels is the same scenario where, like, if you actually dig into it, like, there are known quantifiable rarities yeah. of Hot Wheels. So it's not it's not a pursuit of give me all the Hot Wheels or just gambling that some of them are going to be, you know, valuable. But, like, there is a chase system. There is, like, a, almost a color-coded rarity system. It's just not, to me at least, presented very loudly. Uh, but it makes it make a lot more sense to me. Like, you know... In an MMO, I've collected a purple set. You know, I know, I know how, I know how to hang with the kids. Mm-hmm. I had a turtle mount briefly. I didn't actually. I just had the card and I sold it on eBay for a couple hundred bucks. But uh, <coughs> speaking for myself, uh, non Transformers lens I'm currently into. I am. I have in fact fully moved into into um, because it seems like it's not going to end anytime soon. The the GI Joe scale candy lines for Common Rider. It's just more satisfying to me than pursuing fig arts. Fig arts are still beautiful. And if I could, I would, but, like, it's so much less stressful, and, like, Shodo Kamen Rider is very good right now. You just gotta deal with the stickers. I'm able to deal with the stickers. Um, And I will always say, they are higher quality than stickers you might have dealt with elsewhere, but they're still stickers, and there's that's gonna be off-putting to some people. Um, The other thing I've really gotten into collecting, and thankfully... It's not able to be much of a problem because this is a small company who do small print runs, and if something's gone, it's just gone until they reprint it. Button-shy wallet games. I have been getting into the habit of whenever one comes out or an expansion comes out that I like, I also will just order another one I don't have because I don't have it. Because the size of a button-shy wallet game is a small vinyl wallet that holds 18 playing cards, so it's kind of easy to collect them. And aesthetically, I really like them, uh, but I know that I crossed a Rubicon because I now own a number of button-shy games that are not soloable, which means I have button-shy games I literally can't play right now until I can be around people again. And I'm not even going to let myself try to accept the real easy uh, excuse of like, well... When I can meet with friends again, I'll have so many games for us to play. For some other games, maybe. For Button Shy, I know I also am just collecting them because aesthetically I really like them and they're pocket size, so it, it feels good. It feels good to collect a thing that doesn't take up much space. Uh, anyway, uh, thank you for that, those set of questions, Blackhawk Omega. Uh, we're going to take a quick intermission break and then we're going to come back and finish up this listener question queue, so stay tuned. 
In this intermission, I'm going to give you a little update on what's coming up with the podcast. Episode 600 is special, and uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You're probably going to be disappointed with all the buildup, but I'm happy with it. And episode 601 is us talking all about our Kingdom and Studio Series 86 gets uh, over the course of the year so far. That's what you got to look forward to, because we have recorded all of those. What's up with the big editing gaps? Uh, Basically, my brain didn't want to do anything for the entirety of March. But we've solved that now, because you're listening to this. And uh, we're continuing on. It just goes as it goes. And this is my little notification to you who stuck it out, not only to listen to this episode, but to get to the intermission, that uh, thank you for sticking it out with me. And who knows if it might happen again, but uh, I don't want to stop doing the podcast. None of us do. So we're still doing it. I feel like it needs to be said, because generally when anything on the internet stops happening for about three weeks, people think it's dead forever. So uh, I'm just asserting this here for you now. Uh, That that, that won't really help for all the people who already think stuff is dead. They never listen. But, uh, you know, you can tell them. Anyway, let's get back to this podcast. Recorded on February 810, 2021. Welcome back, everyone. We just took a quick little intermission break, and uh, now we're going to continue on with our listener questions. Welcome back, Aaron. Hey. Uh, Welcome back, TJ. Hey. Uh, Did you guys go to the washroom? Yeah, a couple times. Mm. And slept a couple times. Well, you know, it's worth it. It's good good to have some rest during a a quick little 20-minute break. I mean, I didn't didn't (laughs) sleep. I didn't go to the washroom. What's wrong with you? Uh, you know, people keep busy. They got to recharge the batteries sometimes. Um, I'm just saying, I'm saving mine up. Another 48 hours, keep saving this up, and it's going to be all oh, glorious. So, we got a listener question from The Stampede, uh, who says, Hey, hope you're all doing well. Uh, been looking at the new reveals for Studio Series 86 and Kingdom. This is new as of September 14th, 2020. And it seems for the most part, the 5 mil ports and effect part nubs are being dropped. It's got me thinking, are there any gimmicks you miss? Things you wish would remain consistent or things you're glad are gone, like the C-clips or the Titan Master Pegs? Personally going to miss the 5 mil ports a lot. Love playability and storing weapons, etc. So, I'll quickly throw something out there because I think when we were first seeing this stuff, it was confusing. The 5 mil ports are still there. But on the beast characters, they're a lot more rare, is the thing. Uh, the the effect part nubs are also still there, kind of. But on the beast characters, not so much. Then over in Studio Series, some characters have, like, all the 5 mil ports. Some characters only have a few of them. So it, it actually got more confusing than how this question sounds. Yeah, I think, um, it's, I think it's more so dialed down because it was with the... Um, last couple of years everything has been expected to every foot has it every you know everything now is pretty much locked into five millimeter which i i like that they did that a while ago yeah um so that it was like they went to like five millimeter and like for the smaller things three millimeter and then whatever that butt port is it's like a mil and a half or whatever so it's three Um, it's three is that also three okay yeah um but it's it's you know on the stuff that now you know I've got I've got blur he still has kind of five mil ports on the top of his shoulders but they're no longer locked into the you have to have it on the side of the shoulders for the armor pieces that plug in there you have to have it on the in the hand and on the back of the arm and in these like eight places or whatever it is which yeah 
I, I think that there are some things that maybe had chunkier arms than they probably needed to have just because they're like, look, we've got to have the five millimeter port and then we've got to have a millimeter and a half of material around that in order to give it the strength to hang ultra magnus's shoulders off of it because somebody decided that was in the design dock that everything has to be able to do that so now the shoulder no matter what is has got to be eight millimeters nine millimeters across when this is a smaller character you know this is an rc she doesn't have shoulder pads what the heck what what is kind of cool though the the foot uh, underfoot peg holes are still there on the beast characters mm-hmm. uh and black arachne even has five mil ports on the backs of her legs because there just happens to be enough mass for them there uh which is kind of cool and then here's the other here's the really weird part the studio series characters that are like debuting in the movie have less ports but then jazz like has the siege earthrise port set up if i recall correctly so it's it's like more so now evidence of how there were characters kind of shuffled between lines, I think. <laughs> but uh, one would think it would just be beasts versus not beasts. But no, it's like beasts, 86 debut characters, everyone else. It's uh, it's interesting. Uh, I am glad that they're sticking around on the on the boot port, though, so you can keep giving everyone weaponizer shoes. Um, anyway, going into the question itself... Um, Gimmicks you miss, uh, or, that you're, or that you're glad are gone. Off the top of my head, I miss the C-Clips, because the C-Clips were, like, an even... Like, I think they were probably way less durable uh, and oh, less yeah. satisfying. But, boy, I liked how they were, like, an even more hidden 5 mil system, where it's just like, I don't know where to put these weapons. Oh, we'll put it on the railing. Oh, but that won't really work, and then it would work. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, oh! Like, it was it was cool. If, if it could only be a little bit more durable somehow... Uh, I think it'd be, or, or even more, uh, consistent in grip strength. I think it would have been just fantastic, but that, that might be asking too much of what yeah, plastics are available. Yeah, that's the thing that starts to get into, like, how plastic that plastic is, how, how, um, well it comes back to itself every time, yeah. how well it fatigues. And it's definitely oh. a thing that was, that was probably, you know, great for every, like show this off to people in the upline and then like three or four years later going, uh, yeah, those are just puking themselves to death. You uh, know, if they were still around by now, they also would have just like, not even on purpose, just through chance, every C clip, the clamp part would have been like you know, translucent purple plastic or something. Mm-hmm. Just even more brittle. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the C clips are, are, are mine. I, I miss them. I think that it's probably it's probably for the best they're gone, but also I miss them because they were just such an out of nowhere thing. Like I had I had fun with those. Um, TJ, what what about you? What's a gimmick you miss or a gimmick you're glad are gone? I think I have a stock answer for these things. We just talked about uh, firing missiles, and I'm true. I, I, I'm happy <laughs> that they are uh, they are very rare. Um. I, I did. I did actually look it up. We had a few combiner war leaders who had uh, missiles, and we had, uh, and then, then like outside of just like random leaders, it was uh, generations, skybite, and roadbuster. Oh, yeah, that were, oh, yeah. Our, that were our final missile firers. Any yeah, of those leaders? That was like that was like jetfire slash the seeker mold. Yep. Yeah, I remember now. 
yeah, it, it, yeah. you know, it, it's an, it's evidence of how much we don't miss it that it took uh, a phantom 48 hours during our 20 minute break uh, <laughs> to even like deduce all of that. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I looked it up while we were recording. I oh, just oh. didn't get the chance to bring it up. And now I right. have a chance to bring it up. And I'm just thankful I remember. 20 minutes. Hey, 20 minutes is a long time. It can feel like two days. Yeah, it's weird. Um, uh, no, like my stock answer for gimmicks that I miss are the cyber keys. You know, I like I like gimmicks that give you a, like a fun little collectible that gives everyone a little bit of extra personality. You know, like I like the the planet designations and the the designs and differences that they could throw into those keys. And I I like that the care like. I like that it's all one universal gimmick, but everyone has their own take on it, so it all matches the character. That's the kind of gimmick I like. It's not just uh, they all combine, which is fine, but repetitive. You know, they all—they're all headmasters. Okay, um, it's it's okay. It's uh, no, no real complaints. I just I just like I like variety in gimm- in my gimmicks. I I kind of wonder how those things would have turned out if they had existed or or happened again during the heyday of the live action movie money. Like if mm-hmm. the keys themselves have been gimmicked up more with um that RFID uh like light up trick or like magnets or something or like little gears spinning in them. I don't know. It's mm. you know budget like like soaking up some of that budget that that went into things like Mech Alive um yeah. back during during those days. Slides a little thing and the planet logo transforms. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Could have been neat. I, I just also want more. I mean, now that it's become retro, like it was new with like Skylanders and Common Rider O's, and now that was a decade ago. So I'd love to see RFID lights uh, go go back on the table somehow. I just assume the technology got cheaper. That's my layman's assumptions that all tech gets cheaper as time goes on. Uh, Aaron, how about you? What's a gimmick you miss or a gimmick that uh, you're okay with going away? Um,. That's that's a difficult question for me because like I don't mind missiles having gone away. I mean, we kind of talked about that before because um, you know those, those springs get compressed or those missiles get shot out or whatever. And kind of same with like battery powered stuff. Um, I've you know been cleaning up stuff before and or moving a bin around, and then all of a sudden you hear a very faint. <laughs> And you're like, ah, crap, I got to go find whatever Energon Starscream that is or whoever and jostle the bin around so that it comes off of that button or, you know, have to dig through whatever to pull out batteries and then find another one that like, oh, why wasn't this going off? Oh, because the battery rotted itself out inside of it. Cool. That's nice. Yeah. Um. But beyond that, I like... I like when good gimmicks come into a line and play themselves out well. You know, Titan Masters. Yeah. They did all the Headmasters, most of the Headmasters. They did other characters as Headmasters. And they went, okay, we're done. We don't need to do it anymore. And it's yeah. not like they went, ah, oh, but we need three more years of, of Headmasters. What if, what if all of them are also... Uh, what if we do it with all the... The Beast Wars guys, yeah, let's keep it going, because then it just, like, wears out its welcome. Well, what's kind of cool is that it went away, and then when they went back to, to hit just a couple more Headmasters, they were like, hey, we've got the tech, we've, mm-hmm. got all the, we've got all of the experience of how hinky the connections were for the first, like, two waves, 
Uh, and so you get like you get to get to do triple changers. You get Scorponok, and on all three of those, in my experience, you know, not, not my Scorponok, but uh, the Headmaster connection is fine. Like, this, yeah. you don't have to think about it. Yeah, it's you know that's that I guess is what I really enjoy because then it also gives you like that rising ebb and change and flow of of the toy line where it's not just oh well we we changed it so that it's really the back half of the car that makes the feet instead of the front half of the car in this one mm. next car toy um what if we met you know so when you have some of that gimmicking in there it gives like the the design challenge for whoever's making it to do it in a certain way so yeah, if, does that all make sense? What I'm, what I I'm saying so. there, like, where like, I, I I like when there's series wide things that that give them a target. You know, Combiner Wars yeah. probably went on a little bit too long, maybe, but also not long enough because not all the Combiner sets came out. But a I bunch of other full... side things got in there, so <laughs> it's like a th- full like, forecast. What's that? I still wanted the full eighty forecast. Like they yeah. started it, and I'm like. I'd like it if you finished it, even though only me and a handful of people are digging this. Like, I still really like the idea of the 84 cast in those unified, like, uniform silhouettes, like kind of yeah. action mastery. I don't know. Something about it. Something yeah. about it. But it's it's also, like you know. Yeah, it's I, I like the overall theme that forces the designers to design and not iterate. Hmm. Yeah. That's that's I'll, how I'll answer that. I want to put one thing out there for anyone out there, like you know, perhaps even people who have worked on toys who know, because I've always wondered. I feel like with batteries, because you made me think about this. I I just wish that, and I, I'm guessing there's cost stuff, absolutely, that we could have moved forward with battery power just being like LR44 cells with a hard on-off switch, like full stop. Like I feel mm-hmm. like that that would have really made batteries more fun and also less collector freaky. Even I know collectors still get freaked out about watch batteries, but like there's so much less watch battery than there is like a cell battery. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's feels way less terrifying than having like full triple A's or double or D cells, like sitting inside a toy potentially. I mean, um, they do that with the battle call figures. Like there's a dedicated on off switch. I had completely forgotten that. And I feel like you told me. But, Did I? Because yeah. I've only gotten one, and I don't think I've talked about it yet. I thought we talked about one. I, I don't know. I'm spacing out. But that's good. That's good. That's what I would love to see more of, then. Like, a, a hard-on-off switch and unthreatening batteries. Because uh, I, I don't mind electronics, but yeah, like, Aaron, I, I just hate it when you when you hear it in a bin, because it's like, oh, mm-hmm. no, that's bad. Because um, it's also never the top bin in the stack. Oh, no, no. It's like you, <laughs> it's you sit muffled. there and listen to it, and it's like, how is it the third bin down? That like, uh, If I just or, kick it. Nope. Kick it again. Nope. Kick it, it again. Me. My mom yeah, okay, just uh, my mom just opened the lid on her BotCon RC, and I asked her, did it make any noises? <laughs> and she was like, no, why would it make noise? So I was like, okay, I was just checking. It's not important. I was just wondering. Because <laughs> I was like, hey, maybe, maybe, somehow, <laughs> thing was still alive. Uh I also should throw out there, the Stampede uh, mentioned that uh, combat- compatibility, like 5 mil, is why they're so obsessed with the Diaclone reboot, which is another amazing gimmick line that I wish was more affordable, because that's a great case for lots of different uh, fun robot gimmicks. It's just expensive toys. Um, let's pop over to the Brick Lord. 
Uh, says, Dear WTFTFW crew, I was curious how particular you all were with paint applications or other various QC issues on your figures. Do you return them immediately? Try to touch them up yourself or just live with it if it is not a big deal. I find myself to be rather picky, especially with any blemishes in the face. If it's a different part of the body, I feel more likely not to care. For example, I got Siege Rumble with two right legs and I just kept him since he still transformed and looked relatively normal in robot mode. Uh, thanks and keep up the good work, the Brick Lord. Yeah, I'm... I'm kind of there with you. Like, I agree. Face blemishes bug me a hundred times more than, like, a scratch like scratch paint most anywhere else. And uh, I got a, a Kingdom Black Arachnia with uh, two left feet. And I wouldn't have minded or cared, except that that actually prevents her from transforming properly. Because the cut on the bottom of the foot is uh, asymmetrical. And it's needed for how much compression goes on. So I was like, well, this sucks. I do need to get another one now. <laughs> um... But to Aaron, how, how particular are you? Like, uh, are, do you look over the things, or is it, does it really have to stick out to you? I mean, I prefer good, like, quality on stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I don't know if that's necessarily an odd preference on anything. Um, no, yeah, no one's going to be like, but, I actually, like, I want the, scratches. <laughs> the only time that I've, I've, like, gone and QC checked and fuss raised is bot con toys oh because yeah. it because it was a lower run it was more likely to have issues and um also like they were right there they had the world supply of them in that building they could go to get stuff fixed mm-hmm. um and and do that you know if especially with the way that toy distribution is for me right now like I've what I've gotten of Kingdom has been the single copies that I've seen. Mm-hmm. I have a Cheetor. That's the only Cheetor I've seen. If my Cheetor, you know, I did have one of the little tiny pens or tabs broke off that I didn't even realize where the heck it came from until I deeply went looking for it. If I wanted to take Cheetor back to a store and say, "Ah, the toy broke on me. I want a replacement," they don't have a replacement. Yeah. So it's like I, as long as it's not something that is critical to it, then I don't, I don't feel that there's like a way for me to get a replacement. Kind of, but also just you know, for for the for this current round of things, at least I'm not that particular on it. I'd probably be bummed, but then deal with it. Yeah, well, BotCon's another, like, kind of the same example. Like, if you didn't check at the show, uh, at least at least once upon a time, I think this might have been different when they started keeping stock in sometime in the 2010s. There's a chance, like, at 06 BotCon, you'd get something uh, and then find out later, oh, a part's missing, and it's like, well, we literally don't have any more. Mm-hmm. Like, we sold through the entire run. And it's like, oh, well, SOL. Uh, but yeah, um, TJ... How about you? How, how picky are you with your uh, your figure QC and paint apps? Um, I'm generally not terribly picky. I mean, if it's a QC issue that prevents something on the figure, uh, yeah. Or like if it's something that causes it to break right away. Like I've had that with the the Battle in Space version of Cyclonus, where his hip split on me immediately, so he mm. immediately went back. Yeah, you know, of course, you know, there's always that. But if the figure's fine, if I'm just, like, uh, like I generally, like, if the joints are a little loose, I don't care. If it's, uh, 
you know, the paint's a little off here and there. I don't really mind. I'd rather just, you know, appreciate it rather than just let little imperfections kind of ruin the experience for me. Mm. Uh, now, if I have the option, like, if I'm at the toy aisle and they have multiple copies of a figure, yeah, I will I will examine them and see which, which mm-hmm. paint bothers me less. Oh, yeah, okay. me too. <laughs> yeah. So, like, that that's about as picky as I get. If I have the option of being choosy, then I will be choosy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm about the, the same. Like, I, I get, I only get persnickety, like, in, it's hard to tell why. It just, it will happen now and then. But usually it is, like, if there's a, a horrific face blemish. Like, my, my Lightning Collection Yellow Ranger, Trini, her, her unmasked face, they missed basically when they when they sprayed her face on her eyes and her lips they missed the sculpted eyes and lips and i couldn't like you, like, you can't get past that <laughs> like when you're when your physical eyeballs are a half inch above the image of your eyeballs it's just like no, this just ain't this ain't working this, <laughs> this looks really weird uh but uh no it, it face blemishes absolutely if it breaks on me immediately and it's readily available then i i, I might go and try to grab another one because it's like why not like mm-hmm. they're there and it's it's not a big deal. The one time I got real fixated and I, I can't even remember why now was was movie masterpiece Ironhide. I went through two and a half of those because uh, it was just annoying me how every like I got one something was wrong. Uh, so I was like, oh, I'll just I'll I'll grab a second one or I'll uh, I'll return it and grab a second one. Return it, grab the second one. The thing that was wrong was better, but then other things were wrong. So I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this one more time. <laughs> And like it became a bugbear for me. I was just like, this is really irritating. And I don't know why, of all toys, like one of the least impressive movie masterpieces, but there you go. I kind of went through that with movie masterpiece Optimus too. I bought the Japanese version for cheap on Mandarake, because I was like, they packaged it differently. So the, the plastic warping might be different. And it was, but didn't really matter at the end of the day. <laughs> um anyway, next question we got here is from Digger. He says, last to check, best way to send questions through private messages, so I hope I'm right. Uh, you're right. You were right. Uh, hey, podcasters, hope you're doing well with the recent information and picks on Warf Cybertron Kingdom. I've been so excited uh, that I've ever been for Transformers and just seeing the first wave. Um, it's very promising quality and figure designs. Um, what do you consider the strongest opening wave for Transformers toy line and why? Um, I'm going to jump on this one because I have an, an immediate answer. I don't think I've ever been as wowed by an opening wave than uh, that specifically of Galaxy Force. I don't remember how much Cybertron's opening wave was similar, but the first month of Galaxy Force toys was just a tour de force of so much stuff, so many different gimmicks, so many different aesthetics. Uh, it, it totally blew my mind. Uh, it was really cool. Like for this was a, this was in 05, I think when it came out, and I happened to be at a, a toy store in BC that got in the whole first wave of Galaxy Force, and I basically bought, if not all of it, then like 80 percent of it and all the most notable figures. And they were, and I remember the months leading up to it that the initial photos and everything, for whatever reason, like Galaxy Force's first wave was just mind blowing to me back then, and I still think it was really strong even now. There's so much variety. Um. Aaron, how about you? What what would you think would be, or what was what would you call a strong opening wave? Man, I'm really having to think. It's been a while since we've had like, how do you put it? Not it's not like they're flat, but like something about opening waves for the last while I found is like, uh, predictable is not quite the right word, but it's I, like I feel like if I could have gotten the 
larger sizes of kingdom in this opening wave. I'd have more wow. Mm. But I've all I've seen is Cheetor, Black Arachnia, and the fossilizer guy that I can't remember his name. Oh, Paleotrex. Paleo, is that one Paleotrex? I thought that that was... Uh, no, 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 that's Paleotrex. That's Paleotrex, okay. Because it's like, what, Optimus Primal and Megatron? Uh, yeah, and as the, re- the, the mind-blowing Cyclonus. And, kinda... and, yeah, <laughs> like those, if I had those in my hand right now, I'd probably be saying, this one right now! This right now, because yeah. it's recency bias. <laughs> um, but I can't think of one that's been absolutely mind-blowing... I remember being excited way back when with Armada because it was new. Mm-hmm. Like everything else had kind of like seemed like Transformers had kind of been limping on life support, and then there was this whole new thing. It was a fascinating opening wave too. Yeah, like, there was like you got Armada Prime, who was yeah, like fascinating is a, the word I would use. Uh, some strong deluxes um, and. Uh, and First wave shot. had Perceptor, right? First wave had Perceptor, the Minicon combiner. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That and and the Star Saber, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that was that was a pretty strong first wave. Think, yeah, I think it was it was them and the Destruction Minicons. Yeah, yeah, because everyone would stick them on Demolisher. Hmm. Um. Yeah. That was that was a pretty strong first wave too. Yeah. And and As, yeah, especially for the time. since the the previous wave or the previous line had been R.I.D. Which, yeah. which at that point was a bunch of like, hey, here's other stuff that didn't come out in Beast Wars and earlier. Like, sure, we got Air Attack Optimus Primal, which was pretty neat until like, well, I won't say until like mine kind of puked a few parts out of it. But <laughs> um, that was recently. I I went to move it and transformed a little bit, and I heard <clears throat> and like a little chunk of plastic puked out. Um, but you know. For the last six months of that line, I I feel like everything was like, oh hey, here's this other thing that we found the molds of that we didn't use or underuse. Let's do that. There was no cohesion to the line. It was just a completely mixed bag, and so then to have this very unified thing with a TV show and like on on Cartoon Network and. Like this is going to be the return of Transformers because it's it's the big thing now. Yeah, and exciting packaging too. Like the, mm-hmm. those huge packages with the uh, yeah. decent sized mini comic in it. Like it was it was exciting. Yeah. Um, TJ, what about you? What, what would you say stands out to you as like a strong opening wave? Uh, my answer would be somewhere in a similar vein. Um, I think. Kingdom has an incredibly strong opening, if if only uh, the fact that one of the figures is just a reissue of the previous Leader Optimus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that takes it down a notch, but, like, it's been, in, like, the fir- other than that, first wave is incredibly satisfying. My answer would probably be the same as yours, and if not Galaxy Force, then Cybertron itself. You know, because... Th- uh, the Jap- the, the, like the Japanese first wave was like, I would say like nine Autobots and then three Decepticons, um, like something crazy out out like uh, out of oh, no, there, there were, out there were at least four. It was Megatron, Starscream, uh, Thundercracker, Bullet, 
Thundercracker. Land Bullet was in there too. Um, no, no, Land Bullet was later on because he hadn't shown up in the in the show yet. No, the the first the like the first initial drop for Galaxy Force, at least as I remember it, like had a lot of Velocitron in it, um, Sla- or Speedia in it. Um, well, the cyber the Cybertron did that. Yeah, I I swear Galaxy Force did as well because I I remember that was part of what was so overwhelming about it was that they dropped Speedians in there as well, and it was Weird. just like whoa. Like, it was like, so much like stuff. So, something in my head specifically remembered, oh, there's only three Decepticons to start. That's weird. Yeah, and I, I, I remember um, the enormous haul I got that day. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I had such a similar experience. I was at Toys R Us, like, you know, as close to launch day as you could figure out back then. And it was just the entire wall was just those odd white packages that I dearly miss. And I walked out, the only, the only things I didn't walk out with, I think, because, God, I think, I think I only skipped like one or two things, and some of the things I skipped was because I had already imported them. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, I mean, that was what kind of made Cybertron a little bit, you know, obviously not my, my strongest, I would say, but the same thing with RID is like, I happened to have imported them first. Um, I just looked it up. Uh, TF Wiki actually does list what Wave 1 of Galaxy Force was. Launched in, in December 2004, um, and it, there were four There were four um, uh, Decepticons. It was Megatron, Thundercracker, Starscream, Land Bullet. Hmm. Uh, Galaxy Convoy, Exilion, Vector Prime, Dreadrock, Jackshot, Backpack, and two Micron teams. Like, that was a ton of stuff. <laughs> and I think I picked up all of it except for, like, Dreadrock and the Micron teams. I mean, uh, and you, I, I skipped you get... Jackshot as well. I got the main. I got the main uh, Minicon team because they were actually show characters, but I skipped the remolds of the Speed Team. Yeah, I, I picked up all of them eventually in Cybertron, but with Galaxy Force, I skipped Dreadrock and Jackshot and Thundercracker. Yeah, like um, for Galaxy Force, the one like I imported Inch Up, who I still go to bat for that toy. I still think the engineering oh! on that toy is fantastic. Mm. Yeah, I, I love that figure. Yeah, <laughs> and then. I got I got Vector Prime and Starscream, which in hindsight, the better two choices to go with if I was importing before Cybertron. Yeah. <laughs> I only ever handled someone else's Cybertron Vector Prime, and I remembered feeling like I, I was very glad I got the Japanese one. Oh yeah. Um those wings were, were a thing. Um So wings yeah. and the white plastic that ruins the ancient aesthetic. <laughs> I I, I want to quickly throw out like because there are some lines that I think were like stand out and that one could say like well my first experience with these were really strong but like first wave uh, some of my favorite lines first waves were not amazing like uh, Titans Return wave two was amazing wave one was a little bit like ah this is all right uh, but wave two was like a huge like upswing i think same thing with combiner wars it was like wave three the, 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 when you could get a whole combiner in one wave is when i think combiner wars like had that strong moment um but uh yeah it's, a, it's an interesting question because it you know as time goes on it's kind of hard to remember really the experience of a wave one unless you happen to be there to get it mm-hmm. um anyway uh next question here is from from oh no wait i just forgot to put a space it's from bumblebee 765. He says, Congreetings. Uh, I, I misread that. It was just greetings. Vangelis and the crew. I hope this is the right way to submit a question. I keep 
forgetting people do that on purpose sometimes. Listening to your answers on previous listener questions has helped me reevaluate my own collecting habits. I used to keep the packaging for everything, treating it as part of the collectible. But after hearing my storage bin idea, I decided to get rid of all my packaging and just organize and sort my figures into various bins. And it has made such a difference in my enjoyment and having them uh, within such easy access now. Sorry for the long intro, but I guess my question is, have you ever realized you weren't really enjoying something you were collecting and made changes to your habits for the better? If this has been asked before, as I'm sure it has, sorry I missed it. Love the podcast. Kept me sane during my long drives to and from work during this tumultuous year of 2020. Click. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, for me, like, the, the packaging thing is one of mine because I felt like I was, like, masterpiece boxes specifically, I felt like I was supposed to keep. And uh, no longer keeping them was a, a huge moment of sanity for me. But I, I have a couple other ones I can think of. Before I do, um, Aaron, how about you? Like, I can think of an easy one for you that's maybe a, a little bit rote now. But Yeah, I know, so, like, for a long time, I, you know, not only was I getting very deep into, like, completionism on packaging and the like, um, but I also, like, even on what I'd say are... are, are much more normal releases because I had some of that bug to it. I was keeping all of the, all of the packaging on things as well. Just, um, you know, not for any reason other than, Hey, this is the card and bubble that came with this toy. Mm. And that was leading to bins and bins and bins that was just full of, you know, Again, you know, rolling back to that Armada bubble packing, I yeah. <laughs> I would cut three sides of the plastic off, and so then I had, you know, basically what amounted to, like, shipping boxes like they would send to the stores, just full of empty packaging. And um, after, after a move and being kind of directly told by um, Dad, who I was using, like, had a big garage i was using like the loft area above the garage um as like a storage area he was like yeah you need to to get this stuff gone like you know half half of the this area over a like a three-car garage is a bunch of your things what the heck are you doing and then i just went through and basically stripped all the plastic out of it and pitched it Mm -hmm. and turned you know uh, basically like a car and a half garage worth of space down into about three boxes just because it was so much fluff, just so much cruft, just so much stuff that didn't need to be there. Yeah. Um, that I'd say has been the biggest change that I've made for the better. I still keep it's now like my breakover point is if it's a premium export product. So like if it's, a masterpiece thing from Japan because I still have enough space to hold things like that or um, the um, generation select stuff that has like the cardboard box because all of those are about the same size cardboard box and Mm. like that's easy enough to have a bigger box that's just all of those boxes laid out so that you can see exactly what each thing is and then I've actually been better about once it's past the desk phase and the talk about on the podcast phase and fidget stage i'll put it back in that box that way if ever i want to sell b- bug bite or whatever i can be like hey bug bite here's the box here's all the accessories but i am yeah 
Uh, and I think that's what like a thing you alluded to is important. It's like if it's within your means and, and space, you know, mm-hmm. and you enjoy keeping some packaging, like go for it. Like it's not like you're wrong for keeping yeah. packaging as much as we're like kind of laying out how great it is to ditch a lot of it. Uh, so, like some folks, some folks still like mitten sealed box. Like if you enjoy it, that's that's the crux of the question. If you enjoy it, do it. Yeah. Just if it if, if you're, it is becoming if you're a, a mitten sealed box person, you're weird. First of all, because transform you're like not interacting with at least half of the toy. If you can even see into the box, if it's a sealed box, okay, I'll sell you a sealed box and 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 keep the money. I don't know, but well, I'm assuming AFA grading because then they could build a shelter as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, with that quarter inch styrene or whatever they use to reinforce those. Well, I, I just saw on uh, on Twitter like Thu was was saying like despite having been on a bit of a tear about getting rid of masterpiece boxes, he was also keeping the select Super Megatron box because it was nice. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember reading that thinking like, yeah, that's kind of the thing is. If you like a box, like keep it. Just don't don't let that activate your collector yeah. sense of like since yeah. I did one, well, I got to do all yeah. of them. Yeah, the <laughs> biggest thing that I that that's like the equation in my head is if I decide to resell this, do I think that this box would make a significant difference? It's mm. like if I decided that I wanted to resell the you know, I, I'm trying to look at my desk for something. If I decided I wanted to resell the RC from um, the not this line, the last line, the oh, uh, Earthrise, Earthrise, yeah, it's would, the same one. would having yeah. her, but I guess it is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There, there's probably a single paint app difference somewhere. Well, that no, Earthrise is the one for. that has a plastic tray. The kingdom yeah. one, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You actually don't need to keep the box of the kingdom one because you're, you're never but repacking that. King, kingdom one has a better chance of still having its gun. But like yeah. in five years, is that going to be a significant price difference? Probably not. Sealed one's yeah. still going to cost, still going to be worth more. But the sealed one might be, let's say, thirty bucks on a premium. And as she stands now, like like this, in a few years, maybe twenty. Okay, that's all right. But something I think I would feel like Super Megatron, his price between with the box and everything and loose would probably be, you know, at least double or triple, you know, going from, you know, what what was his retail price? 40, 50? I thought it was like 50 or 60, but I... Yeah, but yeah. I, I could see it like being more significant of a price difference on something that's already a, you know, not inexpensive. So, well, and you have the means to store that packaging. Yeah. Still, is the important yes. thing. And and I have the means to store that packaging. I've got a, yeah. a house with a basement that generally doesn't flood itself out, and I can put it all in in tubs that keep it mostly protected. Like I I can I can do that, but I could still also see a time and place where I just say, eh, screw it, and be done with it. Um, yeah. I've, I've said it before, I'll, I'll throw it in here again, like, uh, as an apartment dweller, to all the apartment dwellers, if you're worried about the monetary potential future resale, and that's why you're hanging on to boxes that are a source of stress or that you're just not enjoying, uh, yes, you might lose out some of the resale value, but I have found that selling loose high-end toys, as long as they're, you know, kept in decent condition, um, the inherent discount you're going to end up putting on that off of its market price also means that if you really need that money and you really need to move that toy, it's going to move because someone's going to feel like they're getting a deal mm-hmm. if they wanted to open it anyway. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that so or if if that's your breakover point and you're not adverse to selling things, maybe that's the point where you're like, eh, I want to get rid of this packaging. Maybe that's time to investigate if you get rid of the toy in the packaging. Oh, yeah. Assessment moment. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Like, if I don't like this box, uh, then you ask yourself, but I love the figure, right? And then, yeah. Um, it, it's going to be, you know, different strokes for everyone. But, it, yeah, packaging is, is such a <laughs> – it's such a thing I think everyone goes through because initially it's not a problem because you don't have lots. Um, Swapping over to you, TJ, what about you? What was a, a collecting change you've made that, that you feel was for the better? I mean – I I I don't want to keep harp on packaging because I'm the exact same way. Yeah. <laughs> like I I used to keep the packaging and then realize my life is way way less stressful, and I enjoy my collection way more when I'm just junking it. Hmm. Um. Try, I'm trying. I'm trying to come up with a different answer here. A lot if of it. Need- a lot oh, of it, a lot of it for me was just. A lot, a lot of retraining my brain as a collector was to stop getting obsessed with the set. Oh, yeah. Because mm-hmm. there are so many toys I held on to for years because, well, it's the whole set. You know, how, and when else am I like, I'm, I'm not going to have the set anymore if I break it up? But I'm keeping toys I genuinely don't enjoy. So, you know, what I, I, I at, at some point, I just kind of flipped the switch and went, you know, this really doesn't make sense. Why am I collecting anything I don't enjoy just because it goes with something else? It's not increasing or decreasing my enjoyment of the ones I actually like. Yeah. No. So, uh, like I, a, a lot, a lot of went, a lot went out the, a lot went to eBay over something like that. A lot of, the, a lot of the movie toys, a lot of, uh, a lot of exclusives that came out. Like it, w- it was just re- relieving. Hmm. I, I've kind of done that. Um, even in things I find enjoyable, I'm trying to. I've, I've stopped it before it starts. GI Joe six inch classified's a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I have three of them. I'm still looking for a fourth because I and I have an order in at EB. It just never fulfilled, but it never canceled on uh, on Profit Director Destro. But I'm like, yeah, I just want I want this Cobra Commander and I want the 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 Hascon version because I can get it easily and I want the two Destros and that's kind of all I want until they ever do, like, a bat or something. But once upon a time, me getting those would have easily had me go like, well, there's only so many figures left in Wave 1, may as well collect those if I see them. And that mm-hmm. would just turn into, well, now I'm collecting a G.I. Joe line where I only like about four figures out of the 12. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, teaching yourself to to be able to spot that early even also means that, you know, then you can still pick up what you want. You just get rid of that the notion of I got to get them all. Like, that's also why I stopped just buying Snake Eyes. Because, like, I don't hate Snake Eyes. But I realized I don't like him as much as I think I do, and owning a Snake Eyes in- inevitably just starts getting me buying every Snake Eyes because they're all slightly different. And I keep going like, oh, I'd love a ninja with guns and swords, and then I have like six of them. And I'm like, I don't know if I love ninjas with guns and swords as much. Um, But what if the ninja had a slightly different sword? That's how they used to get me. <laughs> this, this one, one has a combat knife. <laughs> This one we put a paint application on. I it's the exact silver. same mold, but we painted the part that was supposed to be painted in the first release. The, yeah, the, this one's got a new hat. I mean, it's like hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. A, a new hat. What do you think? We're made of money? No, we're taking the hat off of a different figure and putting <laughs> there it on you him. Go. 
This is us. T- we're prototyping this for the inevitable Hascon old snake. But Snake Eyes has, you know, stuff on his head too. So we're just seeing if it fits. Um, kind, kind of, kind of in a similar vein. My my main one I want to say is, uh, and I, I've said this before, but I like saying it is learning how to appreciate something without buying it. That being like, just because I think something is a really cool concept, it doesn't mean I also need to own it. When mm-hmm. there is evidence that that leads to a collector bug activating, even if I don't really want it to. Lego was a big one for me. Um, Mega Blocks two inch figures was one where like I love they're amazing uh, I you know, mentioned the He-Man thing they're amazing uh, I can't collect them though because it's too hard for me to tell when I uh, actually want a figure or when I'm buying it because it's four dollars and that's nothing to think about um, yeah I, I will admit on the on like the retro He-Mans are doing I did exactly that it was like I, gr- I grabbed a Skeletor because hey, it's 15 bucks for a retro Skeletor with joints. And then I got it home and went, what do I do with this now? Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I like Skeletor. So I was like, I wanted to get that, that super seven ultimate, not ultimates, but their um, su- like fancy Skeletor with like the different heads. Yeah. Uh, the laughing head. And then when I got him, I, it was in a, you know, cause it was cheaper. I got him with the He-Man and I messed with both of them. And I was like, I, I actually don't really care about the He-Man, but I feel like I'm supposed to own him. And then I got the She-Ra and I was like, I, the She-Ra is a bad figure. The Super 7 She-Ra, I do not like. So I sold her, um, immediately to someone who was really after her. And, and then, uh, I was like, next toy show, I'm going to bring that He-Man with me, I think. And then we had a pandemic, so it hasn't happened yet. But <laughs> regardless. It can still be at the next toy show. Yeah, regardless of the pandemic, attempting to get me to keep He-Man, which surely is the whole reason why it's happening. Uh, yeah, I, I same thing with the, the Mythic Legions versions. When someone told me, like, hey, you know, the Skeletor and He-Man spiked in value, I was like, well, I never opened either of them. I still like the Skeletor because I like Skeletor. I only got the He-Man because the, he came out at the same time as the Skeletor. Then I realized I don't care about He-Man. And I don't need He-Man figures, because I only want Skeletor. I want, like, Skeletor and Scareglow, and sometimes a dude with a robot arm, whichever one it happens to be. Or, you know, robot parts on him. Uh, and then, yeah, it helped me kind of calm down what has often been these, like, weird He-Man binges, where I realized, like, I don't care about half of these. <laughs> like, there was a period where I was buying MOTU Classics, uh, based on whether or not they had a cape, because I thought they looked cool. Uh, and then I was like, I don't even know who half these characters are. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, and Lego, you know, is one of the big bummers because Lego is beautiful, but it's mm-hmm. like I had too much Lego that I didn't actually enjoy owning, and I realized like I only enjoyed owning a little bit of this. I thought I'd like having more because like, it's good. But... Lego as as the intersection man because I really liked all of the modulars and I've managed to not buy the last three modulars which has me itchy because one of them's about ready to be retired and then that means I can't get it anymore but I bought a bunch of the other modulars and like but they're big and they take up a bunch of space and they ain't cheap and like uh yeah and and it's so key to be able to recognize that, like, that's, I still think they're cool. And in fact, with something like the modulars, it's like, no, I do have some justifiable FOMO, you know, if you're missing mm-hmm. out that, like, oh, I might miss out on it. And that's kind of like the modulars are dangerous because they're the closest thing to a toy you can actually invest in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, yeah, the, you know, va- with- the value on all but like one or two of those sets has gone up too. So it's like, like you know the the joke that i have that i saw before of somebody buying a bunch of death stars for investment value like that's the wrong way to go but 
um, you know, those are ones that I also sit there and look at like, man, I could just like get them because it can sit in a, in a box in a closet and turn around and then, you know, a couple of years, sell it for double. Mm-hmm. Like it's some sort of trading card thing. Uh, hmm. But it also like it, go back to the space thing. Like, you know, if you do have a basement, it is more feasible to do this. But, you know, I always speak to the apartment dwellers like don't especially with with like toys and like Lego modulars. Don't start buying things for investment unless you're cool with that being a part of your furniture for yeah. a while. Or if you want to risk putting it in a storage unit. But then if you're investing in those things, do you want to keep them in a third party storage unit? Like, <laughs> yeah, I just feel like that's that's sort of asking for different trouble. But uh, the the main point I was making is just like it's so important to be able to say something that's really cool and it really dig it and appreciate it and divorce that from needing to own one until at least you can train yourself to just own the one, which I'm still just not very good at. Like Skeletor is my my current highlight because that's where I've I've achieved that. I'm just like every now and then I buy a cool Skeletor, but even then I'll still skip the ones that are just like not really doing it for me, like some of the one six scale ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, it's on my mind because I've seen it like with uh, with Haslab Unicron about to drop, and and I'll say like I'm not saying criticisms of them are based out of this because there's plenty to criticize on anything, but like there's folks I I just feel like I see folks who are like torn where they're like oh, I think it's really cool but I can't afford it so I got to figure out why I don't like it and it's like just yeah. just like it. You know, if you like it, it's amazing that the people that I know that I saw before complain about the price and that they weren't going to be buying Unicron now complaining that they changed the color of part of the mall. And that's the end of the the damn world. I just want to be like, there's a discussion to have, like, just aesthetically, but mm -hmm. like, that's where it'll be like, you know, it's just. It's a hard thing to identify because, and I, and I would say, don't go looking for it. It's way too easy to write someone off who's criticizing it as, well, yeah. you just want to pretend you don't want it. And I think that's wrong. But, yeah, no, but th- there are a couple of people that I know that I saw say, oh, no, like, no, <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not going to buy this thing because it's too big, too expensive, whatever. And then after that unpacking video or whatever came out, they're like, bah, and this is why I'm, I'm glad I didn't buy it because the colors, it's like, well, no, you'd already decided that you weren't going to buy it. You don't. You don't need to sell anybody else on the fact that you're not buying a thing. You're good. It's okay. Yeah. Like, I mean, you're all sl- right. Slight editorialing, you know, for a future recording. Like, I think the Maw's fine. I get it. The lower teeth yeah. thing bummed me out. But I'm I'm saving that up for once we get through our little series of podcasts I wanted to do, starting with this one, this little trilogy. Uh, I, I got, I got a, not a whole rant. I said it on Twitter already. But yeah. I got a whole thing you can do about crowdfunding and backer updates on that one. That's a bigger issue. And that doesn't have to do with like whether you're buying it. Like seeing people going like, oh, so your six hundred dollars got you this, huh? And it's like or like I wouldn't have dropped six hundred on that. And it's like, yeah, but you can't, right? <laughs> if you didn't drop the money on it already, you literally can't yeah, right you, now. You, you can't get so. it now. That's <laughs> that uh, like, again, that's why we're with that one specifically, at least, like Trying to convince other people or sell other people on the fact that you're not buying it when you can't buy it anyway, you you couldn't buy it now. Like, it, I don't. It seems maybe performative. Yeah, it, I think I, I think you. it's kind of is is kind but, of where I'm getting to. It's like, ah, I'm not buying a Bugatti Veyron because they <laughs> changed the basic paint schemes on it. That's BS. How? how it's like, well, yeah. I'm also not buying a Bugatti Veyron because it costs about a thousand times more than my house does. 
I assume. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I know that it's the the insanely expensive vehicle, and there's no way that I'm buying it because with, with collectibles, I can't. it's it's very granular and just yeah, don't just don't go looking for it because like because also plenty to criticize as someone who thinks it looks really cool. Plenty to criticize on that Unicron. Mm-hmm. Uh, lot, lots of good conversation to have. I'm looking forward to when that conversation can open up. Uh, although it's it's just going to be fun watching people like dealing with owning an object that large. But um, we'll get there when we get there. Moving on to the next listener question. Uh, we've got one here from um, Spine98, Rock Nerd Radio. Uh, Hi, podcast crew. Thank you for constant demanding my survival uh, during these weird times. I still demand your survival, by the way. Yes. Uh, I, I decided that this year I want to get into toy photography, and I'm looking for some good background pieces I can use for my Transformers. Uh, would you, any of you have any recommendations? And it mentions the backdrop I, that I tend to use, and TJ's got a, a similar backdrop. Um, oh, they just don't know what it is. Uh, thank you for the help and a happy new year. Those are chain um, bases. Yeah, mechanical chain oh. base is my. Okay, we're, 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 not, we're not needed here. That's because we've said it like 50 times yeah. <laughs> over the years. But uh, Kota Bakia mechanical chain base is mine. Um, I, TJ, I actually can't remember now if you have the Kota or if you had one of the, the alikes. Uh, it's, 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 uh, oh, well, just, you know, call it what it is. It's a knockoff. Yeah. I like saying alikes. <laughs> yeah. I've got three pieces of that to make a corner. Nice. Somewhere. Can, hey, that's a photo corner now. Yeah. Uh, and it's, yeah, the, it's, ac- like, it's actually Alfie's, and it was in her light box for a while. I don't know where it is now because now the light box is used for business, not toys. <laughs> well, it, it's just going to say the knockoffs are fine because they're plastic planks, and if anything's flimsy, you can glue them. Like it's it's, mm-hmm. it's no biggie. But um, I don't, like any other recommendations for backdrops, I would just throw out there like uh, a nice color gel on a light to have kind of like a, a flowy gradient color background is neat. That that would be one of mine. Um, I have one more. I'll put it at the end. But uh, TJ, do you have any other any backdrop ideas that, that would be kind of cool? I'm trying to think because I've gone through a lot of like maybe this would make a good backdrop kind of things as uh, as time has gone on. Hmm. Uh, I, I like I like color gel on because I, I haven't done it myself, but I see it becoming more of a thing of folks having just like kind of you can tell there's like a an orange light and like a, a fuchsia light or something both on the back wall and they're bleeding a little bit onto the edge lighting on the figure. I think it looks yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've seen that for streamer lighting a lot. Yeah. I, I think a lot of it will depend on like what level of toy photography you're doing. Are you doing like scenes? Because that would change what you want versus if you're just doing mm-hmm. like I, I don't know, something more like documentary of like, hey, this is what each of these toys looks like for, you know, if you were trying to build references for something or trying to fill out a, a wiki or or a fan mm-hmm. page of stuff. Because then something like that, you probably want something like a light box with just like the white piece of paper off to infinity and then maybe like a gray or a black if you've got something that you need a contrast color on. So that's yeah. also something that I think it really depend on like what you're doing in photography because photography is it's wide open it's very open you know (laughs) and depending on what you're doing and 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 where you are you may have cool natural stuff that you'd want to do and having it outside Mm -hmm. in that case that's finding the things around the world um i i think it does it like it very much depends on your intent this sounds to me like with background pieces it would be like more artistic and and that kind of thing mm -hmm. to which i would say like like 
try out various things. Try out the infinite color background. Try out yeah. objects in the background until you find what you think is you. Uh, I would say if you want some places to start, this is the one I was going to finish on. In fact, I think just your desk, if you have a clear desk, like a kind of clean desk that looks nice, it's a nice backdrop. Like a, a mm-hmm. your computer desk, if it, unless it's cluttered, and that, that's fine. Mine's cluttered, so I don't use it that much. Uh, but if you have a nice desk or just a nice table or a nice placing somewhere, that is a nice backdrop. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If you have any like play sets or anything from your childhood kicking around that you don't really use much, but it's like a big object, try it out in the background. If it works, it could become your visual signature. If it doesn't, then hey, you tried it, right? All of the Netflix deluxes put together a teletrain. Then you have a cardboard kind teletran. Of. That's not really great. If I was I'm... also going to say, <laughs> kind of in that um, vein, I know that I have seen at conventions in the past, there were a couple of people that were selling um, like actual backdrop things that would fit in the IKEA shelf. Um, oh, the, like the image the, backdrops? Yeah, what's the shelf that everybody gets from IKEA? Yeah, the uh, the Detolf. The, the those, detolf. Are, those are by Toy Hacks, if that was at yeah. a TFCon. Yeah. So it's something that is sized for that that could make a good background that has like a Cybertronian city look and a mm-hmm. Teletranish look and a, you know, four or five different looks. So that's yet another thing if you were doing it for some more art styled stuff, you know, you might decide, hey, this is this is them fishing at the lake. So here's that scene. Yeah. I'll I'll say the Studio Series eighty six is like I've been chucking the backdrops from Studio Series because I just don't some some of them are kind of cute one or two of them most of them I find are tremendously boring the eighty six movie ones partly because it's the eighty six movie and its backdrops were very craft its backgrounds were very crafted you know visually mm-hmm. those are actually kind of fun I've been thinking of keeping those flattened in a drawer um, your fo- your photos would have to be pretty tight because they're not very big. Uh, so you can't really take wide shots, but the SS86 backdrops in package are pretty nice for like close-ups. As far as having the squid, you know, or just like the the Quintesson courtroom wall, like there's, it's decent. Um, I, I would I would consider trying those out too. Um, uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's it's a very wide open thing, and really the main advice is try everything until mm-hmm. you figure out what feels like you. Um, yeah, and and best of luck because photography is fun. One other little tip: if you're using background pieces, light the toy. Don't worry about lighting the background. That will help the toys stand out from the background. If that's what you want to do, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we got to, we got one more question here from uh, XL Hedge. Uh, Hello, Almighty Evangelist Unicronus and his audio concubots TJ and Aaron. Oh boy, I, I didn't mm. actually read that opening. Um, <laughs> concubots, well, you, you did, and that's a problem. I, I live I dry read that opening is what happened. Yeah. Um so I you know what? Um ret- my retweets my my dry reads are not endorsements. Uh but also I if everyone was cool with it, then sure. Um anyway, the question is with the current releases of Kingdom, it got me thinking, why uh, was there no transmittal two Megatron to go with the power of the primes optimal optimus, or at the very least a Megatron remold of that optimus to have the Beast Machines finale in toy form was uh, that wasn't the actual question. Um I mean the reason why is because the power of the primes was a very strange, cramped little toy line, is what I would say. <laughs> yeah. Cause no yeah. Because apparently we voted for optimal, not transmittal two Megatron. Yeah, apparently. And <laughs> and also, boy, I keep forgetting how tiny Power of the Primes was. Uh, mm-hmm. 
Anyway, the actual questions. Uh, number one, what concepts from Transformers would you love for there to be toys of that just never seem to be made? For example, uh, a proper TM2 Megatron with add-on parts to give him the Beast Machine's helmet, cape, and exo arms, or a red fused uh, Ratchet Megatron from Marvel Comics. What I would say, Excel Hedge, don't count out red yet. Like, we don't know what red will be. Maybe red's already over to some degree, but I feel like someone at least wrote down weird Marvel Comics stuff on the red whiteboard. Like, that... Mm-hmm. That feels like someone involved would have. In I, I, said, yeah, I'm pretty down. sure that's on a list. That may not be on the A list or the B list, but I'm pretty sure it's on A list. Yeah, it, it might just be a bullet point that says "weird Marvel Comics stuff," but it, I think mm-hmm. it's there. Yeah, um, it's a note on the cork board somewhere. It's although you know what, Emirate Zeron probably first, probably first. Uh, but yeah, concepts uh, that never seem to be made. Um, there's a very obvious one, and I'm curious if anyone will say it, so I'm going to hold up for now. Uh, TJ, what's a concept from Transformers you would love uh, to see that never seems to be made? I mean, I mean, just on the subject of, like, why hasn't this been made, ever? You know, um, you touch on it a little bit with uh, the Marvel comics. I'm stunned that there is no, like, repaints of anything from the Marvel comic run. I like they did the one Grimlock. They did the one they did the mm-hmm. one Grimlock, but you know what? How many sound waves have we gotten and no magenta ones come out? Or or black hat Megatrons? Uh like those are the two obvious ones. Yeah, I don't believe it. Like especially Soundwave. That's the thing that'd yeah. have to be super that'd have to be like generation selects i don't think 100 uh, percent. but I don't, I, mean, I don't i don't think that that could be a mainline release because so many people would go what is this fuchsia sound wave this is dumb everybody I mean, abso- knows that sound waves abso- blue he's never been fuchsia absolutely but like how many sound wave toys have we gotten and we get sound blaster a lot but oh, for sure. hey, here, here, you have an option or or in the past when there have been sound waves uh who got redecoed and those redecos happened to be sound blaster or something like you know animated sound wave or or cybertron sound wave it just feels like at some point like oh purple would be a cool color and then someone could just like you know feed that in i'm just amazed that yeah over all this time like the fact that and it might have just been the era but like that the mp grimlock got done in those colors like with a chair but like mp soundwave never got done in purple you know it's yeah, it's a weird one. Still, I, I think there's a chance in red. If it, it's again, if red does weird Marvel comic stuff, I think then the door opens up. Um, Aaron, what about you? What's something that that you uh, really love that just in Transformers just never seems to be made? I don't know. <sighs> would you, uh, would I love for there to be toys of that just seems never be made? I think that something akin to Pretenders being done for real. Hmm. Is yeah. is a thing that I'm surprised that hasn't come back around. I mean, they kind of did it with the the Titan Masters. Did they though? Like those power- <laughs> Lee, like the the concept was there, but all that those inner robots did was kind of fold over themselves. Like it wasn't like what was that wasn't really it. Um, the one time I'm going to be a real grognard on something, even though it is justifiable, is those those things I did not like. Yeah, uh, I thought they were just sense like they didn't make any sense to me yeah. um like especially with the, the the prime masters supposed supposing to be the original 13 i just was i never understood like so why are they dressing up like friggin octo punch and etc mm-hmm. like i just don't i don't get it and someone's like well that's just a gimmicks and i'm like i get it i get all the pieces 
but I don't see a single shred of the connective tissue. Yeah, and then that it's was... like this might be the last time they do those pretender shells for a while as well, because now they can say, like, "Well, we did them." And yeah. I'm like, ah! "Well, we tried, and you didn't like them. What are we supposed to do?" And it's like, "No, no, that that's not. It's not it it's at like, all. It's like I, I made you a steak. I deep fried it and everything with French fries. Yeah. It's. <laughs> I guess you just don't like steak. Yeah. Um. So that's something that I'm I'm kind of surprised they've not done a real loop back on. Mm-hmm. Uh just because like it's down to like that and action masters and they're kind of doing action masters with red now. So like are, are there any other transformers concepts from from history that we're missing? I kind of want to say micromasters, but again it, it's it's me versus the world. Because I just have had trouble being excited about the current trilogy's MicroMasters, uh, because they went on on painting them really well rather than like filling them with moving parts. And I really would have loved to see MicroMasters filled with more moving parts, as fiddly as they would have been. Uh, these just feel kind of like if there was uh, a, another five waves of MicroMasters that continued on. Is, is mm-hmm. the sense I get? Um, <clears throat> the, okay, I'm going to say it. Uh, and this is genuine and this extends beyond first party. I, I can't believe it is now, tw- it is now we're February, 2021. There is still no signal Lancer anywhere. Mm. Oh my God. Anywhere yeah. <laughs> beyond one shapeways project. And that was from like a decade ago. <laughs> uh, that's the big one. I'm still kind of just uh, whenever someone brings up Signal Lancer, uh, usually it's in a way where I'm like, "Oh, come on, stop, stop complaining." But also when I when they say it, I I say nothing. I stare glassily at a wall because I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. <laughs> There's still no Signal Lancer." Uh, he was literally a CG retool, and there's still no Signal Lancer. Uh, anyway. Uh, that, that, that was, that's the big one, I think. Uh, question number two from Excel Hedge. With Hasbro's sentiment of wanting to put out complete groups, I'm still waiting on the rest of the Autobot double target masters, Scoops Lonely. Are there any groups you feel the ball was dropped on besides the Beast Wars Season 1 cast? Which groups would you like to see come back? Congrats on getting past 600 episodes. Keep up the great works. Getting past 600 eventually. I don't think Excel Hedge expected this to get answered yet. Um, can I just can I keep yelling Signal Lancer? Was he part of a group? Was he part of <laughs> Galaxy Force Cybertron I mean, as a group? <laughs> if you include the telephone he talked to, it's a accessory. <laughs> <laughs> Put a five mil, uh, make the telephone pole five mil connect connectable or something. Put a five mil port on it so you can stick onto him. I don't know. I have another one I can think of, but I'll, I'll do it at the end. Um, Aaron. Uh, is there? How do you feel about about groups either balls dropped or uh, never appearing so far? Uh, I'm trying to think. Have we gotten through all of the mini cars, mini bots? Uh, in, in, in a in a continuous price point. Oh, Ooh. I don't know if that's Ooh, ever going to happen. Hard mode on us. Uh, I don't see a deluxe. I think that's going to be eternal. I never. Yeah. Wait, have we had a C? Sp- no, we did. We had a Legends yeah, we had C a, spray. We had yeah, Legends we had a- one, and we had uh, whatever Mega Ultra. Yeah, yeah the the fancy one. The fancy uh, one, Breacher's Pal. Yeah, I, across one price point, outside of some, or, of, like, or at least, or at least within a short time frame in a price range. 
Yeah, I because because like the big I've, power glide, the big sea spray. Yeah, I'm just saying like you know deluxe or smaller for that. It's got, you know? it's got to be a six year range, and I think it's a maybe. Yeah, because we'd have to go back to Combiner Wars to start collecting them in from there, uh, which ain't bad. But mm-hmm. yeah, other than that, like across, yeah, it's got to be across multiples. Like Huffer's just going to be big. I think we got to accept Huffer and Pipes are not mini bots, but are actually large bots. Uh, or not large, but they are they are akin to the cars. They're just shorter and wider. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting one also amidst all of this who probably had zero screen time. But uh, no, we even got Brawn and Outback. Yeah. Um, I think the only one missing at this point is Bumper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we got yeah we got Hubcap, but not Bumper, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. okay. That's who's over there. Yeah. <laughs> um I I expect there's a chance they're going to squeeze a bumper out. If they if they don't then it becomes a meme and they're going to make like a brand new deluxe bumper in like 3 years. Uh TJ, what about you? What's a group that you feel has been ball dropped or just hasn't shown up that you would like to see? I have two answers for this. Um I mean, I, I'm going to I'm going to go with the one that is actually a group that we've just have not that we barely see or have not seen at all, and that's the Throttlebots. Yeah, because we got one. They did one modern Throttlebot, and mm-hmm. that's it. I'm I forgot about still the one waiting. <laughs> I forgot that one happened. <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, oh, they did the throttle bots. I was literally thinking of the very large toy world ones that combine. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, the throttle Hasbro bots didn't kinda, do those. Yeah, throttle bots got kind of lost to time. Um, along with the double target, I think the thing about the double target masters is I suspect part of the th- reason why we're probably never going to see all of them finished up is a lot of people forget they were even a group or had target masters. Uh. Like nowadays, when people think of Quake uh, and and Needle Nose, if they're even thinking of them, they're probably thinking about their appearances in either the previous continuity IDW or the the current one, uh, where the double target master thing is like not even there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing against mm-hmm. double target masters. It's just yeah, I, I think for whatever reason, everyone remembers. I find everyone remembers um, that Spinister was a double target master. But then past that, it seems like it's just not that important, or folks. Yeah, I mean, folks don't care. I have somewhere landfill, and he was he was cool. He was my double target master. But like the rest, mm. I mean, I don't know how much of of even that line was terribly exciting for a return to. Especially I mean, because now you'd want all the target masters to be like the target masters that we've gotten more recently, and that's a whole lot more toy investment for something that was like a secondary line off of a line. And uh, <laughs> I'd love to see yeah. them as six Voyagers that are just fully featured deluxe, like deluxe pluses with with the uh, yeah. Like let's do yeah. it, let's do it. The next yeah. for the next uh, two years, those are the Voyagers. Yeah, a year and a half worth of Voyager <laughs> releases is the offshoot line to the offshoot line because 
like what the original target masters had maybe four molds that weren't just like oh we gave they put a hole on this one yeah we we drilled a hole in all these hot rods we had sitting in the back and put a target master on them or whatever well you know what doing it would be proof that they hasbro are not cowards this would be proof of their courage <laughs> yeah so, sure uh, <laughs> um I'm going to throw in mine at the end uh, that I think is still relevant, especially with the announcement by Super 7 that they are doing two Action Master action figures. Action Master Elites. I still think, and this is even this is not even a meme anymore, four genuinely interesting, unique robot designs that could absolutely hang nowadays. I think they should be happening. Perhaps they aren't doing them because they don't want to have to finish the set because they're cowards. But... I think that uh, there would there would be rejoicing in the streets, and tens of them would sell. Tens. That's double digits. Um, I can guarantee you that much. Uh, anyway, we have now, barring one listener question, because I wanted to avoid having name repeats, emptied our listener question queue for uh, from last year, which is quite an accomplishment, I think. Uh, it only took us a small 20-minute, 48-hour break in the middle. Uh, and uh, that's also episode 599. Um, I want to do something fun for episode 600. It's very low key. It's not that amazing in the big picture, but it's exciting to me because it's something that I have wanted to do for like two years and it just kept falling through the cracks for one reason or another. And I would like to do it. So uh, I'm going to, I'm going to bully everyone uh, to do it with me. But uh, until we get there, um, Aaron, thank you for joining me. You're welcome. And, uh, TJ, thank you for joining me. Uh, Of course. Uh, we'll be back with some more podcasting and, uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do some things for the next two episodes after this. And then, uh, then we'll actually talk about some news at length, but you know what? That gives super seven time to show us how the articulation works on those ultimates. So, Hey, we're doing them a favor. Uh, until then, uh, stay safe, wear your masks, do not take risks if you can avoid it. And, uh, as we always say, we demand your survival. So, uh, we'll, we'll see you next time. Well, you'll hear us next time. We we'll see you, but you won't see us. You'll hear yeah, us. Yeah, you, you need to put, you need to put that post-it note over the webcam. Um, yeah, and you really should get that thing on your face checked out. That's it's dermatologist will make sure that it's safe. <laughs>